0: Ladies and gentlemen, our next event of the evening is a one-fall match with a 60-minute time limit. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at place 2 Your pop culture home.
1: Well, hello everyone, and you're listening to Where the Big Boys Play. And I'm here with Chad, as ever. How are you doing, Chad?
0: Doing good this morning, Parv. How are you?
1: I'm good. Enjoying the World Cup. That's all I. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I do now. I watch football game after game after game after game.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're a poor, poor countryman. Couldn't pull it off yesterday.
1: What do you mean I couldn't pull it off?
0: Oh, oh yeah.
1: What you don't think I was watching Ivory Coast versus Japan? I was. <laughs> I was watching it. I was not good, yeah. but I was there. <laughs> um, so uh, we're not here to talk about football. Sadly, we are <laughs> here to talk about wrestling. Um, before we go on to uh, Super Brawl and Meltzer and whatnot, any uh, any announcements or anything? <laughs>
0: uh, no pretty uh relatively quiet on the home front while you're watching football i'm getting together a baby room uh which i could tell you parv is one of the most frustrating tasks uh i've ever taken on uh, yesterday i made the crib had to put together the crib yeah. had to put together another little cubby desk thing uh so so there's been a lot of home projects in my household
1: What's it? It doesn't sound that hard. Get a crib. Go to kid
0: Oh, this 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 thing was in about 30 different parts. Uh, the directions were straight shite, as you would say. And uh, it was a pretty frustrating experience. Me and my dad, uh, my dad came over to help me. And we were in the small baby room and had the door closed and couldn't figure out how some of the pieces went together. So, uh we almost had our own steel cage match because we ended up yelling and getting pissed at each other. So it's uh, quite humorous how that happens.
1: Well, I don't know if I ever told you, but the thing that my brother and my dad have never let me live down is uh, I've got this giant uh, cupboard here in this room, and um, I try to put it up and I just couldn't. So I um, I, ordered, I just got the guy from IKEA to come and put it up. <laughs> I paid him 70 quid. <laughs> uh,
0: that's a yeah. sad part.
1: Yeah, no, they still they still talk. They st- that was four years ago, and I, I still hear about that. <laughs> um, but, you know, everybody's got a price. So <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, shall we get on to the Meltzer's then? There's quite, there's quite a lot of uh, Meltzer
0: this week. All right, let's hit it. It's time for the Wrestling Observer Extra. Wrestling Observer Extra. With Dave Meltzer. So, April the 8th,
1: and um, the big news is that uh, Sid has given his notice this past week to WCW uh, and he wants to leave the company effective May the 31st, 1991. Meltzer says it was no secret that Sid is due to start with Titan Sports on September the 2nd. Although WCW have been trying to keep Vicious, there has been problems in the negotiations between him and evil Jim Hurd. Sid is on... Five grand a week uh, contract, not bad for 1991, and uh, he asked for a substantial raise plus two months off this summer. Some reports suggest that Sid wants eight grand a week, uh, which would make him the third highest paid wrestler in the company. Behind, do you want to guess, Chad? Behind?
0: <laughs> uh, I would guess Sting and Flair.
1: Actually, behind Ric Flair and Lex Luger. Okay. Uh, Meltzer then debates whether this is a big loss for WCW or not. We can come back to that question in a moment, Chad. I do want to discuss it with you. Um, let's. Uh, um, Meltzer mentions that uh, a Flair vs Pillman match uh, happened, which saw both men chop each other's chests to hamburger meat. Uh, this bout was said to be more brutal than the old Flair and Garvin matches, and Flair was bleeding from the chests uh, after all the heavy chops. Now that sounds great. I've got a feeling you've seen that match, Chad, have you?
0: yes uh great match uh certainly will be on our 1991 television stuff we watch um probably um you know we watched the 1990 tv match between flair and pillman and liked it a good bit i like this one better uh so i think this is probably the best tv match in wcw in 1991 if i had to guess right now
1: yeah and uh, more brutal than flair versus garvin that sounds
0: well like. yeah i, I I didn't really it it was a very like chop heavy match, but you know, with the way the Flair Garvin matches that one from Techwood Studios, I mean that's just posed as kind of a straight brawl. Yeah. Uh, this one mixed in more athleticism and kinda told more of that narrative, I think, than just a straight these two guys wailing on each other.
1: Right. Okay. Um, well, I look forward to uh, watching that, uh, match. Um, Owen Hart is already gone from WCW, because, um, they wanted him to con- cancel his April tour of Japan, and he didn't, so he was, uh, effectively fired. Um, Butch Reed isn't leaving, uh, but is mainly gonna work part-time. Um, new characters being planned for WCW include, uh, Deadeye Dick, um, The Wizard, played by Kevin Sullivan, and Oz, played by Kevin Nash. Um, however, Wizard and Oz are dependent on TBS getting the rights to the movie. Jesus Christ. <laughs> do you think it was worth it? Can you imagine the contract of the Wranglings trying to get the rights for the Wizard of Oz? Uh,
0: well, they do uh, actually show still sometimes the Wizard of Oz is like a special on TNT and stuff. <laughs> uh, so... I guess I guess they're still hanging on to that.
1: Well, more on that shower of shit later on, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Zink is out of action with a torn bicep, um, but it's not serious, and he comes back later. Butch Reed is only working selected house shows uh, and no TV, so it's almost like Ron Simmons doesn't have a program. Um, people in the company are raving about this Flair vs. Pillman match that airs April 13th. Some people are calling it a a four-and-a-half-star match, and um, some people have said that it would be a five-star except for a chief finish. Is the match that good, Chad?
0: Uh, I I have a four-star plus, so, I mean, it's it's up there,
1: yeah. Billy Jack Haynes is set to start as Black Blood, starting at the Meadowlands next week. So, that's uh, April the 8th. Do you have any um, torch this week, Chad?
0: Uh, no, I, I didn't. I just, we're kind of a little pressed on time, uh, so I didn't bother looking at the torches. And One thing we found lately, it seems like the torches in 1990, I thought they mixed in some good editorials and stuff, but uh, the torches we've read so far in 1991... There's been more just kind of wild rumors or just reiterating what Meltzer said. So uh, that's a little disappointing.
1: They haven't really been adding a lot of value, have they?
0: No. <laughs> so I don't know if uh, Keller was... I don't know if he's still in college at this point or not. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he he didn't seem to be kind of putting it all into it, I would say that.
1: Well, April the 15th, an evil Jim Hurd has stated that he is 99% certain that Sid Vicious is now staying with WCW <laughs> 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 and won't be taking the summer off. <laughs> I'll just repeat that again. Evil Jim Herd has stated that he is 99% certain. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, his contract is said to be £350,000 uh, a year, um, plus bonuses for pay-per-view events on a three-year deal. And Dave says, nobody that I would call a good source has given me any terms. You can say that again.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, The Black Blood character has been dropped, so Billy Jack Haynes uh, isn't coming in. Uh, WCW are going to do more tapings outside of Georgia to mitigate against burnout and lethargic crowds. Now Apparently, uh, crowds in Georgia have seen too many shows and they've become lethargic. So uh, they're probably going to do more dates in the Carolinas uh, for their TV tapings. Um, There's some talk of Cactus Jack coming back in the summer. Uh, April uh, 22nd and the big story of course is that Sid, Sid Vicious, is after all bolting um, for the WWF. The contract mentioned last week was drawn up and uh, Vicious (coughs) then gave his notice um, after, like, so they gave him the contract and then he gave his notice in um, effective May the 19th, um, right after the pay-per-view that we're going to watch tonight. So, I guess this is, all oh, and I, I will say here, um, WCW uh, has reacted by trademarking the name Sid Vicious to stop WF from using it. Well, that, mm. wor- that worked out well, didn't it?
0: Justice was <laughs> served in uh, that situation. <laughs> yeah.
1: Is that is was that a is did they call him Sid Justice to get around the uh...
0: yeah that's what I I well yeah they do and I wonder if uh, them saying justice was served was kind of secretly a little bit yeah. of a little dig at WCW trademarking that name and them kind of saying well you know it doesn't matter what he's called really we can still
1: yeah I, I, that's something just occurred to me that's a little in joke there justice. Yeah. Um, it like
0: feels like Virgil being named Virgil type of moment a little bit.
1: Well, Meltzer, uh, at this point, um, goes over the extent to which this may or may not hurt WCW, and he, he's gone, he writes a length about this in several of the issues here. What do you think? Sid, a great
0: loss? Um, well, Sid, to me, always feels more like a WWF guy than a WCW guy, and we'll see him flip back and forth. Uh, quite regularly over the next seven or eight years And I, I just I mean he had the big match at Halloween Havoc versus Sting and I don't think he did great in that role he did fine Um, In the War Games match he of course was kind of the guy that Essentially won the match for the Horseman when he powerbombed Pillman. Yeah. So I, I could see Sid later on being a, a a dominant guy, but in all retrospect, I mean they get they get Vader in uh regularly, fairly soon, and as part of a monster type heel person that you think about uh i I think we both can certainly agree that Vader's miles ahead of Sid. And I don't really know where Sid's place would have been if Vader still would have came in and Vader still would have gotten that shot versus Sting. I mean, I I just think like if Sid was still around in 1992 and they did decide to give him a, a Hill champion run, I can't see that being fairly successful given what we know about Sid. Uh, Later on in his career, it feels like to me this would have been a greater loss at the time it happened in 1991 Mm -hmm. than it is now, in retrospect, knowing what we know now about Sid as a performer and kind of him flaking Mm -hmm. out and everything else.
1: Even back then, though, Meltzer was saying that um, Sid Sid is not drawn when he's being put in main event positions. Right, Um, right. In fact, he's only had one decent uh, gate, which was Halloween Havoc. Right. So, Which
0: well, I mean, that seems a tad unfair though, because I mean, when else has he been put in a you know a top level position besides that Halloween Havoc? I,
1: I think Melts is talking about house shows and things where okay. Sid has been in the main event, but um, I mean, Sid to me has always struck me as a guy who gets over with a live crowd, um, who doesn't necessarily translate into into fig, into numbers. Yeah. Um, like, whenever we've seen him, he, he's also a guy, weirdly, who's always, like, a heel cheered by, cheered by, uh, you know, like, he's a heel in 92 and he's cheered, he's a heel in 96 and he's cheered, we saw him as a heel when he was tagging with Dan Spivey and he was cheered, but then when they do make him a baby face, he can't sustain it for some reason. Right. Okay. We see, he's a weird guy like that, Sid.
0: Yeah, he has a cool look, um... But yeah, just a real, real interesting kind of guy to look through the 90s in U.S. wrestling history just because of the chances he got, uh, kind of the big matches he's a part of, whether deservedly or not, and then what ended up happening with him because, uh, I mean, I, by by the time we hit the end of WCW, whenever we get there, he's pretty much a non-factor in the wrestling industry. So a, a fairly quick run altogether.
1: WCW have pulled out of their original plans to do outdoor shows for the Bash Tour. Do um, you remember, like Meltzer said uh, last time, that um, they're not doing a, you know, why would they do outdoor shows when they can barely sell out indoor arenas? So, yeah, yeah. good idea. Uh, there's talk of trying to bring in Jushin Thunder Liger and the Great Muta over the summer. Uh, do they? Do we see Muter and Liger again?
0: Uh, I mean we see Liger at the very tail end of the, the uh, year um, and I think is Muda at the Starcade show? I can't even remember now I, I know Liger is for a fact but I don't think either one of them are there uh, by the summer
1: When's that Liger-Pillman
0: match? Uh, that, well they have one at the very tail end of the year and then their pay-per-view match is Super Brawl 2 in uh, February
1: Lance Russell is being taken off as a host of WCW Pro, and he will re- be replaced by Bob Coddle, uh, which is very surprising to me that Bob Coddle is still around in 91.
0: Yeah, I don't recall uh, much of him from that time frame. Uh,
1: Meltzer goes on and on about this Flair versus Pillman match even more now, um, but then this is a launch for him to go into a spiel about WCW not having any real direction for Pillman, despite him re- being really hot. And he says that around this time, he did about 19 jobs for Barry Windham on the road. Um, Do you think they're squandering Pillman here?
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, this is something we've talked about where Pillman really felt like he had a chance to be kind of a star uh, after the war games. And they really didn't follow up that much on it, which was disappointing.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree, because uh, he really f- seems like a star in the making mating t- uh, to me at this point, um, as a babyface here. Um, April the 29th, and uh, very, very, very little news this week um, on the, the WCW front. Um, the only news is that Lance Russell is staying as an announcer for WCW Pro after all, and that's all that Meltz has got for us, really.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I mean, th- there's results and things, but nothing much of note, you know. Uh, yeah. May the sixth, um, and this is one of those kind of special observers, you know, when he focuses on a kind of issue is in a slightly different print and things, um, and I, I think those ones are, are because they've been reprinted on the on the on the website at some point, you know, when they had the different type of print.
0: mm mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah, I think he he went to um, <laughs> from the typewriter to actually uh, type it on on computer. Right. around this point yeah because he did the uh you remember that weird issue that we talked about a few uh yeah. weeks ago that I think was the first one and then I think he was still alternating but I know when the observers came online yeah. uh when he merged with Brian Alvarez's site like that was the first issue and then the next issue he posted was a couple months later like right around this time where' Super Brawl so Matsu was online in
1: 1991
0: Well, not online. He he actually didn't bring the uh, observer online to where you could read it online until two thousand eight. Right. Okay. When he merged with Alvarez, I don't actually know when his website started up. It wasn't nineteen ninety one. I'm positive, but uh, but yeah, he didn't post the observers on his website where you could (laughs) read them.
1: It would have been like him and Tim Berners Lee on the internet (laughs) nineteen ninety (laughs) one uh anyway um anyway this had this the different typeface and i have to say i, I prefer the typewriter it's something really cool about reading those observers on the typewriter um anyway th- th- this is a uh kind of a long article about the uh building's war between the wf and the wcw this is an aspect of the war that nobody really thinks about i think it's a very interesting read i'm not going to go into it here Um, But basically, it's about who has exclusive access to which buildings. Um, Meadowlands, I know, is one that they were fighting over at this time. Um, So, yeah, uh, not a lot to discuss, but, you know, really cool sort of uh, thing for Meltzer to read there. Um, Other news, uh, Steve uh, Austin is coming in uh, soon. How exciting. Um, As is um, PN News, the Rap Master. (laughs) <laughs> now uh Dave uh Dave has a typo here and he calls him T N News with a T. <laughs> and uh he's debuted and is said to be very over with live crowds doing a three minute rap routine. Hmm, and let me think, a rapping wrestler. That gimmick can never work, could it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh when PN comes in, me and uh Pete from Titans. I've already discussed how uh, how well you're going to take rewatching the PN News stuff, uh, given given your uh, acumen with hip hop culture and how uh, adverse you think you are uh, knowledgeable with that. So uh, <laughs> we can't wait to hear you judge PN News' raps coming up.
1: But um, have there been any other wrestlers in uh, wrestling history to take up the rap gimmick? I wonder. <laughs> No, let's not talk about the modern product. Um, now, uh, he also talks about a four-star Pillman versus Barry Windham match. Um, uh, he says it, it's basically had the best atmosphere that he's seen for a long time for WCW match. Uh, have you seen that one, Pillman versus Windham?
0: Yeah, so that's on a, a WCW pro show, um, April 6th, I think. And uh, that that is a great match as well. Um, probably just slightly below Flair versus Pillman for me. But, but again, when we get to the 91 TV stuff, that will certainly be watched.
1: Pillman seems like he's on for MVP at this rate.
0: Yeah, Pillman's first half of the year is really special. And then you can tell they just sort of didn't have much for him to do. Uh, by the time we get to Halloween Havoc, he's facing, he's winning the light heavyweight belt, which is feels like a pretty big step down again yeah. for him. So uh, pretty disappointing what happens overall in the summer in WCW.
1: May the 18th. And the biggest question for the upcoming pay-per-view is whether Sid is going to show up. And if he does show up, is he going to do the job? Or is he even going to do a stretcher job for El Gianti? um dave said he's not he's not sure that anybody will care whether sid turns up or not because on the tv they've really switched the program to be el giante versus one man gang and on commentary they're prepping for the scenario that sid doesn't turn up by mentioning over and over again that he might not turn up um so uh yeah sounds uh reasonable i mean what would you do if you were booking sid at this point prepare for a no-show
0: yeah I mean I think you had to prepare for a no show just based on what we know uh, and what we knew at the time so uh, I don't know if one man gang was necessarily the best strategy moving forward for Gigante, but uh, I mean I think they had to do something
1: I've got a very good strategy for El Gigante moving forward it involves him retiring from wrestling (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ricky Morton has started the heel turn by walking out on Dustin Rhodes in a match uh now, this was a uh, Morton and Rhodes versus Terry Taylor and Arn Anderson. And apparently, Barry Windham comes down and then leads Morton back out again. Um, so, have you seen that Morton heel turn?
0: Um, I've, I've seen parts of it where he makes his little heel turn. It's it's pretty good, and it's real interesting to see Ricky Morton, this kind of career baby face, work the heel roll. Uh, and do it very convincingly, in my mind. Um, The York Foundation, going forward, I think, as bleak as the summer and fall felt for WCW, I think the York Foundation is one of the bright spots with what they did there.
1: Uh, One thing I'm not clear on at the moment. Are the horsemen actually together?
0: Yeah, so the horsemen around this time were very disorganized. Um, They weren't necessarily as a unit Uh, You still had Anderson and Wyndham kind of associated with each other, but Sid was pretty much disconnected from them, and then Flair doing his Fujinami thing and working Pillman and all these other people was kind of disconnected as well. So it was a little bit of a mangled mess.
1: But they are technically together.
0: I would say technically they're together, but not really what you see on screen. They're not doing like tandem interviews and stuff like that.
1: Right, okay. Um Big Van Vader almost quit this past week after a contract impasse with evil Jim Heard. The contracts seem to be a Jim Hurd's speciality, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> but uh apparently has been straightened out and he'll be working with Stan Hansen on the road by the weekend. So uh the third free bird will be Brad Armstrong, ending weeks of speculation. Um, and uh, I, I don't even know the list of guys that Meltzer speculated but none of them are very big names to be honest. Um, and uh, the Sting, Luger and Steiner's hype video, and I believe it's the hype video that we'll see on this show Chad, was the work of a new employee hired to do videos. Meltzer really likes it. Um, now <laughs> we're going to see this video in a bit but um, and I noticed on PWO a lot of people like this video. Do you like this video Chad? <laughs>
0: i actually do um i i really think it's a cool interspersing of a dramatic sort of dramatic music i mean like looking back at it now it is some cheesy uh early 90s music but the way they build it is like a dream match sports build type match i thought was very effective
1: you see i thought um the music is basically eighty synth and i had a feeling that this was not just eighty synth but kind of mid to early uh, 80s synth and I did actually find um, the name of uh, the piece of music and it was made in 1984 <laughs> it's called thinking and feeling by Larry Owens apparently this piece of music was um, was uh, used for uh, like workout videos and things so
0: mm, I can say that
1: anyway I thought the whole thing was rather homoerotic myself but uh, <laughs> there we go um, He's also a fan of the new uh, control center segments, and we see one of those with Gordon Soley um, on this show as well. Now, weirdly, even though that was the May eighteenth newsletter, um, the May uh, there's another newsletter on May twentieth, two days later. Um, and I wasn't sure if this was a typo um, or what, but seemingly this was a another newsletter like a, a day later. So. Um, d- I will read out the news from this one, too. There's going to be a new interview segment called The Bull Drop-In with Justin Rhodes and Jason Hervey that is set to replace the danger zone. Um, the Bull Drop-In. Have you seen any of this?
0: <laughs> yes, you will... Uh, you you will love some of the Bull Drop-In clips when we get there. Basically, Hervey sitting on a hay bale and uh, doing some pretty terrible interviews Dusty makes a lot of appearances there Uh, didn't really have the same cachet as the danger zone to me
1: (laughs) well um, here's what Meltzer's got to say Dustin may not get TV ratings up he may not get house show attendance up but one thing is certain he will get Dusty Rhodes over yeah there's uh, Meltzer laying in the blade there to Dusty uh, he says that Dusty, uh, the Diamond Stud is coming in and looks a little better than Scott Hall. Um, the first bull drop in had P N News on it.
0: <laughs> yes, that <laughs> is
1: <laughs> with Dusty Rhodes rapping and dancing.
0: <laughs> does, does that happen? Yes, you got to watch this. It is uh, one of the more humorously ridiculous segments you've ever seen in your life.
1: <laughs> Dusty Rhodes rapping.
0: Yeah, you can really tell just reading this out how much in the can WCW was really going. Um, I mean, they feel like they've been barely hanging on and had a couple of great shows with War Games uh, at WrestleWar and then the Starcade New Japan Super Show was, was a good show too, but now the crappy booking is starting to creep in and this show that we're talking about today, Super Brawl, really feels like where the changeover occurs from the uh, wrestling was starting to get outweighed by just the crap
1: well speaking of that i can't really believe this next bit i'm about to read out during a barry windham match there was a guy in a rat costume watching at ringside and then during well, barry windham's next match the rat came out again but this time took his mask off revealing himself to be none other than brian pillman um brian pillman in a rat costume
0: yeah, happened. I haven't seen that. <laughs> uh, I don't think I want to see that. I mean, Pillman's very close to becoming the yellow dog, so maybe he had a thing for animals.
1: Yeah. Uh, Johnny B. Bad has debuted doing a gay act. Meltzer described Mark Merrow as a muscular jobber. Which seems a bit harsh, but I guess Merrow had been uh, working some uh, local shows or something before this time. I'm guessing. Uh, in fact, have you ever seen any Mark Mero before '91?
0: I have not. That's what I was about to say. I've never seen Mero uh, in anything before he starts at WCW right here.
1: It's weird. He kind of comes as like a ready-made package.
0: Yeah. I wonder yeah.
1: where I wonder where he came from. Uh, I'd, I'd have to look that up. And anybody know where where, where was Mark Mero before WCW here? Because clearly he's got some ring experience before. Like, you don't just come in straight away with a gimmick like that, do you?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he had a decent amount of polish coming in. But, uh, okay, so in – I'm looking at Wikipedia. In 1990, he uh, was trained under the Malinkos. And then 1991, he debuted at the Floridian Coast Professional Wrestling Promotion. So right. he, he really – this was pretty good. He was a bona fide rookie when he came wow. in to WCW.
1: So he was tru- like he was truly green.
0: Yeah, Mark, had only a few months experience, from what I can read here. Well, he's a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> Stunning. Uh, Steve
1: Austin debuted, and um, and contrary to previous reports, the Black Blood debuted. Bill from France. So uh, Billy Jack Haynes did join after all, and even though Billy Jack Haynes was Bill from France. He spoke perfect English without an accent. So (laughs) So there we go. That's it for the Meltzer this week. So um there we go. get into the uh, show I've gone back to my uh, pen and paper notes this week oh boy yeah (laughs) uh, we're at the Bayfront Center in St. Petersburg Florida and it's May the 19th and it's Super Brawl Um, any uh any thoughts about Super Brawl as an event overall before we get into this
0: well so I think last time we talked about kind of the main WCW pay-per-views and Super Brawl is always one I would put up as like their big four. Um, I, I think at this point, Great American Bash was still hanging on. I think Bash at the Beach takes over from uh, Great American Bash in 1994. But uh, but yeah, so so I would say this this time with the debut of Super Brawl, we kind of have it's it's weirdly placed because this is in May and traditionally moving forward it'll be in February uh, yeah. starting the next year so so this one feels a little bit out of place but it does feel like they tried to create a very loaded card on uh, on this show and one narrative that I'll be talking about throughout this show is, I guess Dusty as Booker around this time really felt and uh, he believed in the narrative quantity over quality yeah. And I think that really hurt this show as we uh, start talking through the matches because we're 12 matches deep On this show and a lot of stuff just doesn't feel that Significant in the early goings
1: It went to 12 matches deep and a loss of shit. Yeah um like as well as the matches is what, is what I mean. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a good mini segment still, speaking, uh, even additional to that.
1: Speaking of which, national recording artists was this Brandy Brown?
0: I was it Brandy or Randy?
1: I I have no idea, but she seemed to be coming straight from like nineteen eighty eight with her hair. <laughs> yeah, um, and she sung the uh, she sung um, she sung a cappella. What did you make of that uh, rendition? Yeah.
0: Yeah, this one was a pretty uh, subpar <laughs> um, edition of the National uh, uh, America the Beautiful, actually. And yeah, I've I've looked, I tried to find some research on this because it felt like a Linda uh, Curran moment, or what yeah. what was her name, Linda Curry?
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, it felt kind of like one of these obscure type people, so maybe somebody does know who Brandy or Randy Brown was, but I was not able to uh, locate that yeah. on my uh, Google search.
1: Yeah, I, I was also uh, looking for this. Uh, man. It's Mandy Brown.
0: Mandy, Mandy Brown. Mandy okay. Brown,
1: yeah. Who she is, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's beyond, that's even beyond uh, my music knowledge here. Unless we have a look, look to see if she, she's got a Facebook page. That's not the Mandy Brown. That, oh, no,
0: that. yeah, no, no. This was born 1985. <laughs> so <I don't>
1: <laughs> there seems to be there seems to be an academic uh, at the <laughs> University of Hull called Mandy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you're a big so, Mandy Brown fan, let us know.
0: Let uh, us know, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: the host of Jim Ross and Dusty Rhodes. And the first match uh, is the Young Pistols taking on the Freebirds for the U.S. title. The Freebirds come out with uh, Big Daddy Dink, uh, about six women, and uh, good God, (laughs) It's, it's Diamond Dallas Page, who must be, I mean, Diamond Dallas Page around this time must be... The most annoying guy in the history of wrestling. <laughs> I he
0: is, well, I don't. This wasn't even his most annoying appearance on this show, if you can believe that. But yeah, uh, no better way to start off a pay per view with a woman I don't know singing the national anthem. Uh, Dusty wearing a WCW hat. And then, uh, good God, as you said, coming out with the free birds and his whole entourage. Good God. I mean, he did say that at least, uh, three times just in their walk from the, uh, ramp there. So he, he's certainly trying to put it over. He's trying his hardest to make good God a, a household saying, <laughs> but.
1: I, I will say that, um, DDP got a lot of, like,. For somebody who was completely kind of new in the business, he got a lot of um, a lot of extras here. He got like a house mic that he got to wear. He got an entourage of many different wits. So it's it's not like they were leaving him to hang and dry here. They had he had quite a lot of extra stuff. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, they uh, they seem to be uh, as we get with his later appearance in this show. They seem to be trying to present him as one of the top managers in the promotion around this point. So
1: he, he kind of like to, it, what they're doing with him kind of reminds me of like an early 80s Roddy Piper or something you know how Piper was kind of like um, uh, I'm thinking like Piper when he had uh, the talk show not in WCW even, in, even earlier like uh, when he was in um, Georgia and things like that Roddy Piper um, was kind of used as an on air personality rather than rather than a wrestler a lot of the time. Right, right. And I think they're trying to do this with DDP. But obviously DDP is not Roddy Piper. Um, anyway, uh, what did you make of uh, did, you know the Freebirds still hanging around here? Uh, what do you make of them uh, in this match?
0: Yeah, so we get the Freebird versus the Young Pistols for the United States Tag Titles, which again is such a secondary title. Uh, around this point, you have that, and you have the six-man title. So there's way too many belts being thrown around. Um, pre- pretty, pretty standard match, I would say, where the hot start for the Young Pistols. Big Daddy D gets ducked out on the outside, which I enjoyed. He takes a big bump. Uh, Brad Armstrong then comes out to uh, to help out the face teams with him being. Uh, Armstrong's brother on the young pistols and uh, and then both of him and Dean get ejected. The birds do their flip out uh, there, and we get a good double shoulder block from the young pistols that got a newer fall, but the uh, freebirds are able to take over when Tracy gets dropped neck first on the rail mm-hmm. and the freebirds offense on top is their usual pretty subpar stuff, I thought. Uh, Tracy gets a flurry, but Michael Hayes hit him with a good short left hand. The hot tag to uh, Steve is made. And then the pistols kind of wipe out on the stereo missile drop kicks. Um, They both went for missile drop kicks, and the birds moved away. Referee takes a bump, and then we get the uh, great debut of Fantasia coming out. Looking like a burnt gobbledygooker Uh he comes in and gives both young pistols a DDT from the second turnbuckle, and the uh, freebirds get the pin. Now, how uh, I mean Ross on commentary trying to organically call Fantasia Fantasia is one of the more humorous moments of the show because because he uh, he you can tell he realizes that. He can't exactly say like, "Oh, this is Fantasia because it's a debut." So what he tries to make it is like a magical moment kind of thing. So he's like, "Oh, this was a this was an act of Fantasia," and it just absolutely <laughs> dies. Um, so so quite a quite big developments in this opener. I, I didn't think the match was very much. It's not very long either. Uh, I think it goes about seven minutes. Uh, actually, goes a shade over ten, which it felt it felt uh, shorter than that. So I mean, I gave it two stars. I thought it was standard, I, not the worst free birds we've seen, but not not great either.
1: Two and a half for me. Meltzer went three and a half. That's ridiculous. It's three and a half. <laughs> yeah, he was there live though, and uh, and he said this went over well. Um, now you know Michael Hayes has been talking about Fantasia for years um like uh as you know if you ever watch any old uh, freebirds promos he's always some talking, of his
0: world class yeah
1: he he's always talking about fantasia um but uh, it was never alluded to that fantasia was like a real man who was a bird a bird man um <laughs> the most ridiculous thing here was that when fantasia could, he, i mean he drops in and he does a squawk in the middle of the ring he goes like, <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> That is the most ridiculous, like that really ridiculous kind of third man squawk in the middle of the game.
0: And if the Freebirds needed another member of their entourage, I mean now how many people do these guys need? They have Dink, they have Page and now they have Fantasia. That's a that's uh, a,
1: that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of manpower just to win the be- US belt, you know.
0: I know you're not familiar with the current product, but it it almost feels like Adam Rose and the Rosebud's coming out now. I mean there's just ten to twelve people coming to the ring every time these guys come out
1: um Did you notice there was a guy in the crowd wearing a Terry funk t shirt with funker on it. I enjoyed that guy. Did you see
0: him? <laughs> I didn't see him no
1: <laughs> he looked cool um right. yeah i i I didn't think that, yeah two and a half not that bad. I actually think that, uh, weirdly, um, Garvin and Hayes have been better in recent shows than they were for a lot of 1990.
0: Well, uh, they they cut down on some of the match lengths. I mean, that's helped. I mean, that one Wrestle War 90 match that went 25 minutes, I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster. Uh, so So now in the kind of 8 to 12 minute range matches, they can kind of hold their own.
1: Hayes is um, Hayes, especially is like pretty good. Like he does, you know, his punches are cool. Uh, you know, he hits his spots pretty well. Um, and uh, yeah, we didn't get any uh, anything too egregious from uh, my favorite Jimmy Garvin. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's let's move on because it's Ricky Morton taking on Dan Spivey. Now, did you know that Spivey played for the New York Jets?
0: I, 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 I also knew he was an All-American at UGA, according to Jimbo.
1: <laughs> Did Spivey play for the New York Jets? That's, they're a pretty big team, aren't they?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, Spivey was a really good football player. Was like, he? Legitimately. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Did he do the crazy eyes when he was a footballer? <laughs> I
0: don't know. But, yeah, But I mean, Spivey legitimately was uh, All-SEC, which is uh, most most people, I think it's fair to say – that's the best uh conference in football usually year in in college football year in year out uh so he played at university of georgia and then uh got drafted but
1: i i never i never know how to take jr's comments you see because i, I <laughs> it could be like it could be true it could be complete bs you know so i don't know right um all right well anyway uh uh, did you notice? There was a little moment I caught during this match. Uh, there was a big fat guy in a white shirt in the crowd. Did you see him? He was sitting there for most of the uh And um, there was a moment where um, he's on camera, this guy, and he basically just scratches his balls. On <laughs> <laughs> sitting right in the front row, he just scratches his balls.
0: The I, I know the guy you're talking about, I didn't see him do the uh, net scratch, but that's tremendous. <laughs>
1: Anyway, what did you make of uh, Spivey versus Morton here?
0: So this is pretty much probably uh, one of Ricky Morton's last babyface matches for National. Uh, well, if we consider WCW, WWF, the big two uh, for the for them, and uh, I thought this was a pretty good squash. Morton was able to show a lot of fire. Would jump up on Spivey, gave him a bunch of kind of rabbit punches in the corner. Uh, and then Spivey kind of was able to shrug it off. Morton even hit a Japanese arm drag, which I thought was interesting that Spivey bumped for. And then uh, Spivey puts him away with a, uh, I guess they called it a rib cage power bomb. It was kind of an interesting variant on the power bomb, where he grabs them by the midsection and lifts them up that way and hangs on to them almost all the way down. Uh, it looked good. So I thought this was effective and at least keeping Spivey strong.
1: I, I have to say I was a bit sad to see Morton jobbed out in this manner. Um, I mean, this was like what three minutes, three minute squash.
0: Yeah, I mean, this um, was a straight squash. I it was mean, a, that...
1: it was effective. To, uh, it was a, it was an effective job of getting Spivey back over. But Jesus, I mean, did, did you have to kill Ricky Morton doing it? Um, did Meltzer? also says here um, Morton is turning so it's like he's a new character but he's not a jobber and I can't see the purpose in humiliating him when he's already doing the clean job and I I have to say I agree with that Like, it's a bit harsh to Morton to treat him in this way I think Um, and uh, well anyway uh, star and a quarter from Meltzer (laughs) he says the crowd was pro Spivey, did you hear that? I didn't I didn't hear the crowd cheering Spivey too
0: much. Yeah, I didn't feel like Spivey was getting too many huge cheers, really.
1: So anyway, yeah, I mean, couldn't they have put Tim Horner in the spot or something?
0: Yeah, Horner Horner was a guy I could I actually have pegged that they could have done that as a job. I mean, I th- I think Morton did get a little more offense than I mean, because there was spurts where he looked good, and even though it was a three minute match uh he at times seemed competitive it felt like just the size was such a big disadvantage that he didn't have a chance so
1: yeah well, I, I at the start of this match i, just, I wrote interesting mismatch here but then i did, i wasn't expecting it to be such a quick you know give it right. six, give it 6 minutes rather than 3 you know I, I don't know um not that i'm asking for any match to be longer on this card
0: yeah they they really definitely on this card should have picked a few matches that they wanted. I would go seven, eight matches that they wanted. I mean, we got got a couple matches coming up that I think absolutely should have been gutted. Uh, And then this match that we just talked about, Spivey versus Morton, and the next match, off versus Tommy Rich, I'd only kept one of those, if any. Mm. So, and got rid of the other one.
1: Well, Tony Schiavone uh, is with Missy Hyatt now, and they're with Tom Zenk. Um, and uh, they mentioned that Susan Mooney of Kentucky won, uh, won a prize of some sort. And I uh, wonder if she's any relation. <laughs> um, 60.1% of fans want to see Missy Hyatt go back to the dressing room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, I bet they do. We get a clip of the Hansen incident uh, that we saw from before, uh, where she went into the locker room. And uh, then we get a pervy little moment from Missy Hyatt. Where um she says to Tom Zenk, uh, don't you need a shower or something? And she basically just insinuates that she wants a piece of Zenk.
0: Yeah, and what is Missy wearing? Um her outfit is it's it's essentially a tuxedo jacket, a bow tie, a red bow tie, and then a red bra is Yes. It's is what un- she's wearing.
1: It's an unusual an unusual outfit. Um but uh, yeah, was there anything happening with Zenk and Missy? I'm I'm sure those two probably got it on in real life.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know, but uh, I mean I she, guess she was still with Hervey at this time. <laughs> but she makes
1: it she makes it clear that she fancies Tom Zenk here.
0: Well, Tom Zink was still being presented at this time as the sexiest guy in WCW he won that sexiest man contest, so he, he I, does, I I, he does I look can a tiny see bit that
1: like Rick Martel, doesn't he? I
0: really? I thought he did in this promo uh, in this segment with the way his uh, suit was and that kind of floral tie. Yeah, um, the way and the way he did his hair like he looks
1: like um Martel kind of strike force era Martel, where he right? Had longer hair. Anyway, um Tommy Rich taking on Nikita Koloff now. Uh, Nikita is stacked again. He's got rid of the flat top hair and he's, you know, big and built up unlike that Joker wrestler that we saw in 1989. <laughs> uh, who is my least favorite wrestler ever
0: um,
1: and uh, well this was another squash wasn't
0: it yeah another squash again Rich has a, a couple of offensive moves with cross body and punches in the corner but Nikita I thought actually sold less for Rich than Spivey sold for Morton as he mostly just shrugged off everything Rich gave him and Finished it off with a sickle in, like, four minutes. Uh, so, really not much substance at all to this match, just as a way to build up Nikita.
1: And it, I mean, Ross and Dusty did do quite a good job on commentary of trying to build up Tommy Rich as, like, a former world champion and you know, a yeah. guy with real experience, but he was jobbed out massively here.
0: Yeah, this was uh, very end of the road for Tommy Rich, felt like.
1: Yeah. Anyway, now... Terry Long comes out with his new charge Johnny B. Bad (laughs) Uh, Dusty Dusty says that Bad is flamboyant And reminds him of himself Yeah Um, Some of the lines um, Some of the lines that the Bad Man came out with here It's going to be a blessing To teach you a lesson And then my favourite I'm so pretty I should have been a little girl I am so pretty. I should have been born a little girl. did you think? <laughs> Holy shit!
0: What did you think of this? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was definitely obvious from this debut what they were trying to do with the Johnny B. Bad character. Um, I mean, in 1991, I guess we can talk about this, and as we watch Johnny go forward. It's a little interesting because I, I even like you know a lot of people credit WWF with the Gold Dust stuff in '95 and '96. Uh, just them kind of not necessarily saying Gold Dust is overtly gay, but certainly insinuating it. Um, but but they definitely had a, a more of a, I would say the Gold Dust stuff definitely had more of a vibe of oh, he's weird because he is this way. Yeah. Um, at least with what we saw here with Bad, even though the line with the little girl was definitely a, an eye-rolling moment. Um, you know, when Dusty called him flamboyant or whatever, but they, it didn't feel too much like they were making fun of him or kind of uh turning their head at him from the way he was Mm. Uh, so so I was a little pleasantly surprised at that actually Um, I mean I don't think it's a great portrayal of the gimmick they're trying to portray with Mm. Johnny B Bad but I do think it may be a little underrated as far as I mean mean, for wrestling it's pretty tactful I'll actually say that I think think on the wrestling spectrum
1: thing that surprised me most was Dusty saying the bad reminds me of himself.
0: Right. (laughs) It does seem like Dusty was a pretty good fan of him. Now, whether he uh, well, you know, hopefully he knew because he's booking this, but uh, but...
1: I I, I, I always thought, I always think Dusty comes across as being ragingly gay in most of his matches. (laughs) With with all of his, he does. I mean, he's a very camp camp individual with a limp wrist and and the kind of he does, like, he he doesn't just jive around. He does, like, all of his movements are quite, you know, flamboyant, shall we say. Oh, well. Uh, let's move on uh, with more Johnny. I'm looking forward to seeing more Johnny B. Bad. I think he's quite underrated.
0: Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to him in the ring and then again with the character. I mean, I know the character gets tailed off uh, a decent amount. Uh, within like a year and especially when he I mean when he becomes a babyface he's essentially just shooting confetti into the crowd so there's nothing uh, very I guess progressive about it but I'm interested to see how they portray him just for this year
1: yeah
0: moving forward
1: okay Um, well I mean the other thing we should say about him is that he is also a throwback to Little Richard uh, which is kind of a bit unusual and Little
0: Richard wasn't gay so was he? No. So no. so yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a. I, I mean, he's. I clearly think that they want to portray him as a gay man. Clearly think that, but I also think with the flamboyance and other kind of surrounding stuff with him, they're using that as kind of a, an avenue to portray that. Right. Uh, with his whole personality.
1: So next match is Dustin Rhodes taking on Terence Taylor. Now uh, what ha- what happened to the audio during this match? I'm, I'm pretty sure we kept on getting interruptions from like the control center or something. Uh,
0: did you watch this on the network or where how did you watch this? No,
1: I watched the uh, I watched the original pay-per-view feed.
0: Okay, I watched it on the network, so I think they cleaned that up actually.
1: Yeah, no that was weird. There was like there was some guy in the background saying, "Can you shut up?" Can, can you shut up? We're on air. <laughs> like, what the hell's happening?
0: Uh, that's some uh, WCW production at its best. <laughs> it was
1: like the WCW version of Kevin Dunn, or uh, whoever that would have been. Um, I actually th- I actually think the producer was uh, was Tony, wasn't it? Tony Schiavone was the producer on a lot of these shows.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, he probably would have been either the executive producer or one of the producers.
1: Anyway, uh, Dusty says that uh, Dustin... Uh, learned how to punch from his uh uncle dick murdoch which i thought was a nice line uh mr hughes is now a bodyguard um and he's called mr hughes uh and he's the bodyguard for alexandra york taylor of course in the york foundation uh and we see this is our first real proper good look at dustin rhodes what did you make of him
0: yeah so we so we saw him at wrestle war just uh very quickly so this is kind of his first long form match that we've seen, singles match, and I don't I don't know about the I, I thought this match was fine. I was a little disappointed in this match because I didn't think it ever reached a second gear that it could have. But within that, that I I thought Dustin had a couple of moments. There was the cross body moment that I don't know if you noticed, but it's very awkwardly done. Mm. And you could tell they didn't kind of know what to do, and they weren't on the same page. But I thought Dustin was very smart in that he didn't panic. He immediately kind of took Terrence down into a headlock and then moved it to an arm bar and sort of regrouped uh, before he got back up. And I thought that was very astute for how young of a wrestler he was because... Uh, uh, in a big stage like this a singles match on a pay-per-view a moment that looks that bad where you're clearly not on the same page with the other wrestler that could make a match go from bad to worse and you could really get off page with each other and it could be a disjointed mess so I thought that was actually a very veteran move of Dustin to slow the match down regroup, gather their bearings and then start kind of over um the actual match I mean T- Taylor took advantage when Dustin tumbled to the outside which he always does a good bump to the outside. Taylor worked over the neck but it wasn't very long at all before Dustin started making his comeback. Uh, he gets a lariat and an inverted atomic drop and I thought the finish was kind of a little flat. Uh, Dustin gets the bulldog, Alexander York has the ref distracted and then Mr. Hughes slowly comes up on the apron. I mean, he was moving at glacier speed, and it took him about 20 seconds to get from the floor up to the apron. Dustin, for some reason, goes over to that side of the ring where Mr. Hughes grabs him. Uh, Dusty (laughs) while all this is going on is losing his shit on commentary saying he's not going to stand for this, and is going to go help him out and all this. But uh, Hughes ends up punching Terrence Taylor with the black glove when Dustin ducks and then uh, Dustin pins him to remain undefeated. So as as a match, I had it at two and a half. Um, I I thought it was fine stuff and a good look-in at Dustin Rhodes and Terrence Taylor, but I thought it was more interesting kind of analyzing this as their performances and their progression of their careers versus a match overall as a whole.
1: Yeah, no, I I thought Dustin looked right here. Decent, decent match. Uh, Meltzer's got a real bee in his bonnet, though. Uh, Listen to some of his comments here. After a few early flurries, says Meltzer, Taylor went outside to check Miss York's computer. I think it said, you don't have a prayer in this match unless they change the Booker's. Later, when the two screwed up a spot, Taylor went out and checked the computer again. I think this time it said, if you mess up one more high spot with the Booker's son, you'll be wearing your hair like a rooster again. So. That's uh, that uh, Meltzer's basically <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Meltzer's like really doesn't like Dusty very much, <laughs> so there we go. Uh, he, yeah. gave, he gave the match two stars, uh, yeah. and I, I, I think I'm with you about two and a half. Decent, that's all right. Um, yeah, I quite like I mean, Dustin's become like a real PWO darling, hasn't he? So it'll be interesting to see him, uh, as we go forward here. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, and he has so many. I mean, it's it's incredible to think about. Like I watched a Dustin match from a few weeks ago that was good, and then you have this match from twenty three years ago that's perfectly fine. I mean, I mean, even as we get later on in the year, his match versus Halloween Havoc versus uh, Austin, I really like. Um, so that's that's such a wide gap in this day and age. Twenty three years between good matches it's
1: does he, uh, really does he, fun to watch does he end up feeding with
0: johnny b bad or is that somebody else i'm
1: trying to think like, <laughs> John, johnny b bad feuds with someone for about three years it's not who is it because he's got the tv title isn't he is it or oh, is it uh regal
0: like, yeah, yeah now bad and regal go back and forth a lot yeah yeah
1: for about like literally okay it's maybe it's regal i'm thinking of okay um Anyway, anyway, uh, Johnny B. Bad seems like a natural opponent for Dustin Rhodes around this time, I would say. Eventually. Like, uh, do they have a match?
0: No? Um, I mean, I'm sure they matched up, but I can't remember a big signature match right off the top of my head if they did. Like on a pay-per-view or something.
1: Uh, next match is Black Bart, your favorite, Chad. Taking yeah. on uh, another favorite of yours, Big Josh, a.k.a. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, you did do the big bio for Matt Bourne, didn't you? The
0: big, uh, big <laughs> yeah, bio. yeah. yeah. Uh, when he passed away, I did an article for uh, Place to Be Nation. That's probably one of my favorite articles, actually, that I've written there. Um, and, uh, but as I've said before, Big Josh is absolutely my least favorite Born gimmick that he ever did. And this certainly didn't do anything to change that opinion as uh, he comes out to the ring with his two buddies, as JR says, uh, which are two live bears.
1: <laughs> holy shit. Actual bears. <laughs> actual real life bears in 1991.
0: Yeah, so he uh, walks out with two bears who stand on their hind legs the whole time down the ramp, and then their handler walks them right to the back.
1: Incredible. Uh, <laughs> Incredible. At least nobody wrestled them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was I was wondering that. I, I could have seen, like, Big Josh as a heel uh, wrestling a bear. I think that'd been interesting. Bear's the baby face. That's probably what they should have went for. Anyway, this match, Black Bart subbing for an injured Larry Thibisco, and uh, this match, I thought, <laughs> <day>. <laughs> I mean, it was just terrible. It was just... Uh, it's not good at all. Uh, Bart takes over with punches and rakes. Uh, Big Josh returns with punches. The match just had no substance. Jr. throws out his prettiest match narrative, uh, and then uh, Big Josh takes care of the match by like dropping him on his ass. I don't even know what the what the finish was. Um, he does his log roll. It, it was just it was dreadful this whole match
1: yeah um, I've written in my notes here that I'd like to see a longer brawl involving Big Josh maybe against a different opponent here but uh, I I did I thought some of the slugfest stuff looked like it could be good in a in a in a different context and and, no (laughs) you don't think so
0: yeah i i didn't like this at all i, th- I thought they were both just kind of wailing at each other didn't have any substance i did not think the punches look particularly well mm. uh, i i didn't enjoy this at all
1: all right well um
0: big, uh,
1: big, big josh does stick around for a bit doesn't he so we'll, yeah
0: we'll he's see he's can... here at least for another year or so
1: well we'll get to see more of him um Capetano introduces poorly dangerously uh, wearing a pink t-shirt and a cowboy hat. He's (laughs) he's claiming to be the only real cowboy in New York. Uh, And then when his mic doesn't work he blames Florida. (laughs) He says that Florida is so crap it can't even have a proper can't have a working mic. Then he introduces Stan Hansen who has absolutely no time for Heyman's nonsense at all. Like none. (laughs) He's he's having none of it. uh, Hansen. He wants to fight Uh, with somebody. He wants to fight Dustin Rhodes Uh, but basically Hanson has no real reason for being there Um, and then what happened? Did Paulie then quit on air?
0: (laughs) Yeah, he just sort of walked away, tried to talk on the microphone again No. 't it it seemed like it was working I don't know if they were supposed to be cutting the mic off or what but it didn't really come off well. I didn't think the, what they were trying to convey with this Hansen being there not wrestling and doing this skit and another skit later seems like the most wasteful uh, use of him that I can think of uh, I, I don't understand it at all.
1: I did enjoy uh, what Hansen did. But, um, yeah, like, why is why didn't he have a match?
0: Yeah. Um, You've got 12 matches on the card. Even him versus Big Josh. I mean, I, maybe you wouldn't want to job either of them out at this point. But, yeah, I, I didn't understand him just coming there to do this.
1: Yeah, complete waste of time. Uh, maybe it's Vader who's conspicuous by his absence. Maybe he was That's having the, possible. the contract problem or something. Yeah. Um, Anyway, there's a loss of smoke now. Uh, once upon a time, there used to be a wizard. But not the Wizard <laughs> of Oz, but the Great Wizard. Oz. Oh. <laughs> now, Chad, what the fuck was this?
0: <laughs> this is one of the... Uh... If you if anybody has never seen the debut of Oz, uh, I'd recommend if you do have the WWE Network, stop whatever you're doing, uh, come back to this podcast and go watch that immediately. Even if you have, I would watch that again because I am blown away. Every time I watch this, one, with how much money was spent, I, I mean, it's like how much care was spent On this and it it, I mean of all the things with WCW production that's so shoddy they really tried to produce something memorable here took all this care to do it and it I mean at no point during this did somebody say I don't know if this is a good idea I don't know if this will get over at this I don't even know what to say. I mean, we, we have a green fog, green laser lights, a lot of smoke, uh, a backdrop of what looks like kind of a castle, which is, I guess was a big screen there, or a little like, film screen that they uh, rolled down there the entranceway. There was
1: a castle there. A cardboard castle made out of cardboard was yeah. there.
0: So this huge set piece that they put together we get a wizard or a, a little what is, is he a wizard or he, is he he's, he's okay. the wizard he's the so wizard so we get the wizard coming out with his monkey uh there's a monkey there's a real life <laughs> a monkey legit monkey coming out <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Dorothy uh and Scarecrow Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion uh walking up the entrance way yeah A big explosion pops up where Oz appears, uh, Dorothy and her minions scurry away, and then we get the debut of Oz coming out in this crazy mask. I don't even know what this mask was supposed to convey. Uh, He looked like an old man. And and the 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 wizard had the same mask on, right? yeah the wizard has the same little mask on and the, um, the wizard is constantly saying welcome to Oz welcome to Oz yes the whole time the crowd reactions during all this is just some of the greatest wrestling crowd reactions I mean
1: this crowd couldn't be Could. more pissed off by this I mean they were like <laughs> what the fuck is this shit <laughs> and, uh, I mean Meltzer Meltzer, and his, Meltzer was there <laughs> and he said, he, said, he says, um, he says to make matters worse, um, the reaction was a combination of stunned amazement and brutal obscenity-laced <laughs> Um Matters were made worse by the fact that the smoke was sulfur-based, so that the building smelled pretty bad for the remainder of the show. And if you ever smelled sulfur, it smells, yeah, it it smells like Yeah, it's
0: rough. It. Right. So,
1: it, basically, it smelled, everybody hated it. Um, the crowd was, like, close to rioting. They hated it that much, and they were they were just... I mean, I'm pretty really sure we could hear a few curse words and things when uh, when we were watching. It was kind of like Meltzer gave uh, the whole segment negative three stars. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I guess I'll ask you, I would say probably the most WrestleCraft moment up to this point was Black Scorpion's magic trick. Oh. Um, I, I think this... Eclipses that I don't know. I mean, that was a main event angle so that has more, I guess, magnitude, which makes it worse. But
1: well, I'll just read out what I've written in my notes. This might be the worst thing in wrestling history. Worse, <laughs> worse than the Black Scorpion who dreamed up this shit. Welcome to worst. <laughs> it it, it's is, so it, it,
0: it is, is so bad. It is so
1: bad. Well, here's the thing. I had only ever seen the Turner edit of this show, which cuts all this stuff out. So literally, uh, I think we get the Oz match, but you just see him walking out. You don't see all of this leading. So I'd never seen this before. I was like, I didn't even know this existed because I'd only ever seen, I'd seen Oz before, but I'd, I'd never seen this. Uh, I was just gobsmacked by the fact that I just, I was like, how did this happen?
0: Whose idea yeah. was it? yeah that's what i'm saying whose idea was this and during all this build up like building the castle hiring these actors to play these roles dorothy and the people uh renting the monkey for the show i mean did anybody not stop look around and say what the fuck are we doing i mean i mean how do you not D- Didn't kevin, just I mean, realize
1: kevin nash is a smart guy didn't he say hold on now i do want to make it in this business uh this really is this. What well, we're go with?
0: I mean, I mean, he'd been a master blaster before. I, th- I think Nash at this point was just, uh, just looking been... for a payday and kind yeah, of right. a way to get in. Um, I mean, I'm sure he was rolling his eyes given this, but.
1: I, I, I want to say Kevin Sullivan was involved with the booking of this angle, but we'll oh,
0: This is bad.
1: Anyway, there is a match involved as well. He takes on Tim Parker um it lasts all of 20 seconds and there's like a what's the movie does like a spinny top move and
0: then a yeah it's like the whirly bird power bomb that we used to see um so so that's kind of what he does where he spins spins the person around from the power bomb position um as he falls to the mat
1: Meltzer says the Oz entrance was one of the more embarrassing moments I've had in this lifetime when it comes to <laughs> rationalizing being a wrestling fan.
0: Yeah, can you imagine having a family over and watching that? Um no, I, I, don't, mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it was bad.
1: Yeah, really really atrocious. And almost not in a good like Black Scorpion this kind of like <laughs> you know, it's got some more surreal moments with like the head in the cage and all that sort of crap. Um this this like was just Seriously, it's, it's, yeah,
0: I, I would say when I watched the Black Scorpion stuff, I was shaking my head and laughing when that magic trick when the guy's head <laughs> was spinning around in the magic trick. Uh, with this, I when I watched the entrance yesterday, I had my mouth wide open for about two minutes, just absolutely gobsmacked. It's, it's it's bad. It's
1: like the the, the whole the, the voice, "Welcome to Oz." It's 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 just bad. <laughs> Is what it is. It's just the worst. Oh, Christ. Um. Anyway, uh, I'm guessing there's no more notes on the match here. Yeah,
0: I mean, this is almost must-see, though, just to see oh, this. Yeah. I mean, it is... Of, of all WCW things, this is... This, is, absolutely the, this, this is the worst
1: thing that we've seen, and we've seen some shit, Chad.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is quite... quite. This is the flair steamboat of WrestleCrap, so...
1: And this is on a show where... We see Fantasia come out and do it like. <laughs> this makes the Gobbledygooker look. Oh
0: you know, yeah. Gobbledygooker. yeah, Gobbledygooker is twenty times better than this. I'm telling you. I
1: was, I was about to say Gobbledygooker is the bush league of wrestle crap compared to, <laughs> compared to this. Nothing it's nothing compared to uh, the Oz moment. Right. Um, anyway, uh, Missy Hyatt goes to the locker room now. Uh, <laughs> Terry Taylor's in there. She wants to see the Z-Man. <laughs> and, I, and I did actually thought this was genuinely funny. Out comes Stan Hansen in a pair of massive boxer shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably wear these boxer shorts as trousers. Um, <laughs> they're massive. And he, um, he's still chewing his tobacco.
0: And, in uh, the shower. In the
1: shower. Yeah. And then he... <laughs> He, you know, get your big butt out of here, etc. And then he spanks her with his hat.
0: <laughs> yeah, gives gives Missy a whip and she's embarrassed. And, girl, cool, let's go back to Jim. That's essentially what she says. And Jim no. and Dusty are just having the time of their lives uh, watching this I, unfold. I have to say, as funny as this is,
1: um, I think this is the more backwards angle than. Uh, like if it's between this and johnny b bad johnny b bad is progressive and this is not not progressing <laughs> there's something a bit dodgy about this whole thing it's funny but it's dodgy i think the sexual right. the sexual politics leave something to be desired
0: yeah i can, I can definitely say that sure um
1: although i know i know stan hansen's kind of weird on this show is he like a, he's like a tweener almost
0: yeah yeah. I mean basically his big angle in 1991 was being worked with Missy Hyatt Uh, I I don't know he he feels very lost right now
1: somebody should tell Missy that the faces have a different locker room (laughs) that's true stop going to the heel locker room for god's sake (laughs) anyway um, flying uh, flying Brian is now taking on
0: uh, Barry Windham
1: Barry Windham yes uh, and this is a taped fist match um, now what do you make of this this was a, this is a more unusual match because it only goes 6 minutes
0: yeah so this, this is kind of like the blow off to their little feud that they've been building towards kind of started at Wrestle War they had a few TV matches including that great match that you referenced while doing the Meltzer stuff and this is the blow off. It goes six minutes. I'd say this is the match that's hindered the most by some of the other wrestle crap. Definitely could have cut the Big Josh thing and added a few more minutes to this because what we got of this I thought was great and intense and amazing. Um then then that's I think that's why I hate that Big Josh match as much as I do because here we are two matches later. With a uh, with a great brawl that I thought told a fag- magnificent story, where Brian gets a nice drop kick right away. Uh, with when Barry was on the top turnbuckle and he hits a double axe handle to the outside. There's a ton of nasty punches being landed, just absolutely stiff potato shots. Wendell is busted open. And I thought I, I mean, I assume he bladed. The, I'm almost positive he bladed. I'm 99% as Jim Hurt would say that he bladed, but but the way he bladed, I thought was very effective in that it wasn't a straight cut across his forehead. It was kind of up and isolated in one spot so it looked more like he got busted open on one of the punches uh then flying brian gets posted on the ring post on the outside and that was insane and now he's busted open uh throws him from the ramp to the post and uh starts getting some pops because he's uh mucking it up for the fans um and then they keep waylaying on each other eventually they hit head to head uh Flying Brian reversed a suplex from Barry and hits one of his own, which I thought was a really good spot. Barry gives a shot to Pillman's balls, and then Brian goes on top and uh, Wyndham's able to catch him and hit a superplex for the pin. Uh, Really sweet match while it lasted, but again, I thought it was, uh, I wouldn't say way too short, because I don't know if they could have kept up the intense pace they set if this match went 15 minutes, but I think if you go from the nine to 11 minute range for this match, you're talking about a great four star match affair. And what we got, I have this one ranked at three and a half. Um, I still thought it was really good and absolutely superb for the time allotted. I just would have liked to seen a couple more minutes.
1: I I have exactly the same uh, rating, chart, three and a half stars. Really good match uh you know uh, I think you said everything basically uh chad um maybe could have you know given it more time uh that would be my my one note um and uh the the only other thing I wanted to say is that i love um i love uh Wyndham's float over suplex and in this match he did a float over superplex which is really cool yeah um, and that
0: was uh they actually kind of worked that as the finish. So that was nice.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's a weird match because you had a a mixture of technical moves and brawling and viciousness and good action. Um, Wasted potential for uh, Pillman, I think. That They didn't do more with him. They they could have given this match like 20 minutes and made him into a real star, you know?
0: Absolutely,
1: yeah. Um, Anyway, uh... Good God, it's (laughs) Diamond (laughs) Dallas Page again. Good God, he can't stop saying it. Um, It is quite infectious, to be fair to him. Um, Not that anybody in 1991 thought so. Um, And uh, he talks about the diamond mine now. Uh, He wants to talk about um, uh, the Steiners, and he wants to talk about Luger and Sting. uh, And he brings out the diamond stud. Who, uh, who looks just like Razor Ramon. <laughs>
0: yeah, so this is our first look at the uh, Diamond Stud, which, um, I mean, I watched WCW around this time, so I knew the Diamond Stud, but uh, it, it's kind of incredible to think how much of a kind of mainstream, I mean, not many, I mean, we saw the, what the crowds were like watching the AWA stuff uh, when Big Scott Hall was in there but uh he he did come in kind of at the tail end of their heyday or uh when mm. it was starting to decline. So and that was like 1985, 1986. So he'd been around for a while, you know. Like I I kind of just assumed for a while that the Diamond Stud was his first character and then he became Razor Ramon.
1: It's weird. Like he had a real stall start to his career, Scott Hall. Like yeah. He was in the business for quite a long time before he had any real success. Um, and I think it's fair to say that neither the Diamond Stud nor Diamond Dallas Page are over in any way here. No. Um, it, they talk about Hunkisteria, hunk It's going to run wild here. <laughs> um, it's incredible to think, uh, looking at this show, that Oz and the Diamond Stud would be the, uh, the two men to help haul... WCW uh, into the, you know, into real contenders in the ratings war.
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean, um, yeah, it certainly wouldn't have been with these two characters. I think you knew that pretty much right off the bat. Um, But, yeah, so that's kind of one of the funny moments in history that these two guys pretty much debuted on the same show. Uh, And it was Super Brawl 1. It sounds very prestigious, but both debuts were pretty inauspicious. And in the case of Oz, it's like one of the biggest wrestle crap moments of all time. Yeah, and if if that
1: isn't wrestle crap tastic enough, now we have the battle of the giants in a stretcher <laughs> match. It's uh, Sid taking on El uh, <laughs> <I like that. laughs> Um El giante has got his game face on today. Do you remember he was all smiles in Japan? But here, here he's like all business, and yeah. he seems to have bulked up a bit. Um... You know, he seems a tiny bit less skinny than when we first saw him. Maybe he's been hitting the gym. Um, what happens here? We get a claw and a quick three count, and basically, yeah. well, I'll, t- I'll let you take it, Chad.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, this is this is nothing. It's a stretcher match without a stretcher job, uh, because Sid. I guess I mean he played ball a little bit. I know they were concerned even about that, um, but so so he did get. He did take the count, take Gigante off the uh, claw, but he did not do the stretcher job. He pretty much disappears. This is about the fastest we've seen Sid move himself when he boogies out of the ring after getting pinned. And uh, then El Gigante is attacked by Kevin Sullivan and the one-man gang. Hmm. There's, uh, there's, which there's, is, a, there's a feud nobody wanted to six say yeah, That's a feud <laughs> I can't imagine anybody was looking forward to. Um, so, so, yeah, this was kind of d- just a disaster all around where their hands were tied uh, right off the bat. Even if Sid wasn't leaving with Sid versus Gigante in a match of stretcher match is pretty pathetic. And then to complicate things, you have the Sid contract in a uh, situation. So they kind of just did the best they could, I would say here. Mm-hmm. And it was at least kept short. So very faint praise.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things here. The crowd do start singing. Um, I guess they're singing that farewell song that uh, they sang sometime because they knew yeah, Sid the, was off, right?
0: The na-na-na-na, yeah. 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 I, I, Sid leaving was a pretty uh, terrible, well-kept secret even yeah. for uh, more fave times of 1991. But I, I have to say,
1: this does piss me off. Like, how long has Sid been in the business? Like, Who the fuck does he think he is?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, Sid certainly has a throughout his career. He has moments where he feels pretty entitled, um, and and I won't justify his actions here, though. But I can see in 1991 how he felt he was a hot commodity, and
1: yeah, but that's that's someone with no respect for wrestling history or tradition or anything. I,
0: I guess, but I mean. It, it, I'm kind of, you know, like if, if you are going out on your way out and you decide I'm finally taking a stand against all this bullshit with El Gigante, I, I can't say I have a huge problem with that. You hey, know, I don't want to, I don't want to
1: get uh, talk shop too much, but uh, it does remind me a colleague of mine has recently resigned. Like <laughs> this past week at work, they organised uh, like a champagnes and strawberry thing. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah. it was meant to be like a celebration of like university success plus like a leaving due for this guy right and he, he wrote he wrote he uh wrote an email to all staff um saying basically the, that he objects to the room it was booked in and that he won't he won't be turning up and that if anybody <laughs> does want to support him he's going to go to a casino in london and we can nice. join him there
0: so no, i love it he
1: really like that's a, like a real parting shot you know I resign now, I don't give a shit. So that yeah, was kind some, of
0: a Sometimes you have to take a stand. Um I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I know I've talked to uh Justin, Scott, maybe yourself about it. But in my work I'm a uh, you know, most people know I'm a government employee, a state employee, and uh our Christmas party in December uh, you know most businesses here I don't know how it is over there part but most yeah. businesses have a nice dinner or something like that that the business pays for, mm-hmm. for our Christmas party we have to pay and <laughs> yeah. they always want to do it in like in the office where we get something some food catered in we're all cramped in the conference room and so uh, my first year it was a miserable time and I paid $15 for some cold food so this past year I, I took a stand and i said yeah we're doing this you know i sent an email to some select people and said i'm not paying to go to the corporate one um we're going off site and uh having our own christmas party where we could because because there's no alcohol of course on the government grounds Right. and and uh so i was like that way we can you know get liquored up and actually have a decent time instead of having uncomfortable conversations and kind of nervously laughing at each other for an hour and then going <laughs> back to work well,
1: well well chad i've just sent you a picture and i'll i will share this on the show notes um that's a Christmas. that's a photo of our christmas party last year just take a look at that
0: <laughs> can you see it yeah <laughs> <laughs> So there we go. And now uh, yeah, the, the Not my did day compared to mine.
1: <laughs> Nobody turned up. Um <laughs> uh, anyway, let's uh, let's get back on track here. So uh Sid is an arsehole, but I guess things like this do happen in real life too. Um <laughs> Um Gordon Solie's back. And um there's a package on the Great American Bash now from the control center. Uh they're running a lot of towns. What do you think of this? Uh, good, good use of solely. Good, uh, good idea to bring the Bash Tour back.
0: Um, well, I mean, they always kind of did what a quote-unquote Bash Tour, which was a little odd because the pay per is usually either in the beginning or kind of in the end. Um, I mean, I think I, I think I don't know if in nineteen ninety they officially called it the Bash Tour. But I know after Sting won the belt, he was kind of tolling around it, uh, defending it on their house show circuit. Um, I I mean, it's a way to kind of – I'm a little conflicted. I mean, I don't think it's a big difference maker, and it feels like Dusty rehashing old ideas again. But Mm -hmm. I, I I don't find that big of an opposition to it as far as solely being the kind of control center guy. I think that's a good role for him
1: yeah okay well on now to the thunder doom cage match which is as far as i can tell is a normal cage match only the cage is smaller than usual
0: yeah they they kind of i mean the cage is pretty low on this and uh another thing is they have uh, our boy teddy uh, teddy long suspended in the shark cage oh yeah uh above the ring Hmm. I wonder if this was a little bit
1: old-fashioned for 1990, the old manager in the ring thing. It feels very 1980 to me, the 1990, do you know what I mean?
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I know WWF even did it until like 1998. Um, I know Paul Bear was in one at some point. Um, I can't remember right offhand an example past that, but it does feel pretty territorial as a kind of gimmick thing Mm -hmm. to have the manager in the shark cage.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure Cornette has one at some point as well. Like, I obviously, the back in the day, but I think he has one past this moment as well.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I would think past that, it would either be in a Smoky Mountain. I can't remember him in the Camp Cornette days having one, but it's possible certainly. Anyway, it's Butch Reed taking on
1: former tag team partner Ron Simmons, and uh, did you see? <laughs> the heel fan in the suit and shades <laughs> what an awesome guy
0: oh was that the guy with kind of the long uh yeah. greasy looking hair yeah
1: he looked like an extra out of uh american Psycho yeah. or yeah
0: yeah he kind of he kind of <laughs> looked like a paulie's right hand man is yeah. what i uh oh I
1: if, if i i like to think that if i was around in 91 that's how i'd go dressed to wrestling shows
0: yeah, because right before they showed him, they showed this huge fat guy that was clapping along, uh, and I enjoyed him as well, but yeah, that the guy you're talking about, he's definitely a, a psycho yuppie, so
1: to speak. <laughs> um, they push uh, Reed's experience pretty hard on commentary, um, and uh, well, what did you make of this match?
0: So I was kind of surprised by this match. I have never heard much about it. Um, but but I'll just say I thought it was pretty I, – I thought it was a good match. I mean, I uh, Simmons, I thought, started off hot. And one thing we've talked about throughout all of our shows now, all 60 shows when we deal with cage matches is sometimes it feels like the cage is a buy factor and they're not utilizing the cage very much. Right. And I didn't think that was a problem at all at this match because they immediately kind of go into the cage – uh, Rod Simmons gets busted open after he's sent into the cage, and then we—it's it, kind of a culmination of Doom using their cool offense on each other, and kind of bringing the hatred with just sending each other into the cage, because we get a pile driver by Reed. Uh, Simmons then gets shoulder lifted and sent again into the cage Reed does uh, at this point kind of lock on a chin lock to slow the match down Uh, but that was good because you showed I mean I mean the objective of the doom breakup was to push Ron Simmons and you can hear some sympathy cheers start building up for Simmons while in this chin lock Uh, Reed goes for a splash, Simon gets his knees up, but Reed's able to cut that off pretty quickly, and I I thought for a guy on his way out, they really booked Reed to look pretty strong in this match. Uh, Double clothesline, both guys are out, uh, and then we get, the finish is what it is, where Teddy, from the shark cage, throws down some type of foreign object, Uh, We kind of have both guys crawling to reach the foreign object. Butch Reed uh, gets it first, and you think he's about to hit Simmons with it. Um, But uh, Ron Simmons is able to get a spine buster and get the win. So I went three stars on this, and uh, I enjoyed it. It was a lot better than I thought it would be going in, actually.
1: Well, I I went three and a half. Uh, I liked it even more. Um, I thought that uh, Reed gave Simmons a real pounding here yeah like, and i I actually think that I think it's probably my preferred structure for a match, an extended heel kind of um heat segment uh with the baby face coming back against the odds. I think that is one of my preferred narratives um for a match, and they really did it well here um considering that this was a Reed on his way out. this was quite a spirited performance I thought from him um and uh, yeah very solid cage match very solid uh, unexpected um I mean, I, well, I say unexpected. The Doom have given us some good matches. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, Doom. I think it's been a great tag team. I just, um, I, I, I don't know what the, what did Meltzer give this match. Uh,
1: let me, uh, let, let me uh, get the get up, get, get okay. That up. Okay,
0: because cause to me, like I, I, I know I just hadn't heard much about this match. But I don't know if necessarily the lack of uh, attention that's been given to this match or the criticisms over the years is more a reflection of the feud uh, mm. and how abruptly they split up, because I, th- I think as an actual match, this was worked really well. And for, I mean, this is, as we talked, this is Butch Reed's last major match, really. Uh, this is... Almost, he did some independent stuff, but this is pretty much his last relevant match um,
1: in pro wrestling. As, yeah.
0: yeah, in pro wrestling, uh, that that we see, and um, yeah, I, th- I thought he gave a really good performance. One of the better performances, I think you'd see of a guy having essentially his uh, last major match. It's uh, T- a, a T- match you know wrestler of the year contender for me. I mean wrestler of the uh, night contender. Excuse me. Uh two and half, two and a half stars from Yeah, around. see that's I, I did uh, peruse my usual reviews online and it was around that kind of two, two and a half. I mean I I can see anything from the three stars, three and a quarter. The the uh, uh,
1: the telling quotation from Meltzer is uh, people just aren't into this feud.
0: Yeah, well so. maybe I I did think Simmons did get sympathy, uh and was over a little bit. Um mm. During this match, so. Okay, um, It seems like me and Meltzer disagree on the crowd reactions of all these. Yeah, yeah. All these. I, I mean, I, I, I think Meltzer sometimes just goes in to a show with a perception of how a feud's going and how the reaction is, and no matter What that particular crowd is like on this night, he's going to put over that narrative that he has in mind. I I think that's fair to say.
1: He was sitting there as well. um, Yeah. Which, and I think, like, I mean, as you know, uh, like, um, a crowd can come across on TV differently from how you experience it live, right? depending on what you're sitting
0: in but i i mean i don't, i mean you hear that and i would i would argue that may be the case for something like wrestlemania mm. but but i mean here the attendance is five thousand people i think you could get a pretty good gauge of uh i mean i'm not i'm not saying this crowd was molten for this match but i think it's a little unfair to say that uh to lead after watching just this match with the crowds not into the feud, I think so an unfair portrayal of what actually happened during this match uh, no, with the I, crowd reaction.
1: I, I agree. I think it's worth at least a star more than that. So there we go. Um. Anyway, uh, now we get that strange video package that we talked about earlier, um, which everybody seems to love. Uh, maybe there's something I'm not getting here because I, I just think it's like a... Uh, you know, if, if this video package to me could be using a, on a on a lead in for a for a gay porno movie or something something like that. Well, so, it, <laughs> I
0: think I think it has some good sports build type feel. Um, I mean, and the reason I like it is it presents the match as a kind of dream super match that it was booked to be, mm-hmm. and it shows all four uh, in their strengths having some. You know, power moves and highlights of all four competitors. I,
1: I think it's possibly the level of cheese that I can't deal with.
0: <laughs> Maybe with a different song, then.
1: Because <laughs> um, you've got the soft edits as well. It's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Dan, did they use the? Um, did they use like the like the halo effect? You know where the where the <laughs> where the edges of the screen are kind of blurred out. You know, it's <laughs>
0: yeah, they kinda have a glossy uh <laughs> there's there's some certain editing techniques <laughs> somebody was <laughs> showing off here.
1: Uh-huh. Se- sepia lens. <laughs> um anyway, uh of course the next match and this is uh, the reason people talk about this show, it's Sting and the total package of Ex Luger taking on the Steiner brothers. And uh well, uh very interested to hear you talk about this one, uh Chad, I think it's been coming since we ever, since we started the show. This is one of those matches I look forward to getting to, you know, and now we're yeah. here.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, much, much like the, I'd say, the New Japan Super Show tag, I, I like this match. I don't love it. Um, I, I've watched it a lot. I mean, really, when we start talking about WCW matches that I've watched a ton of, uh, this one's probably in the short conversation of one of the ones I've watched the most uh, just because again as a kid I uh, started watching WCW around 1991 this was a, uh, a tape that my video store actually had it was kind of one of the few uh, tapes that they had and so I, I watched this match a lot and I, I again I like it I really love the beginning um, as it as, any listener where the big boys play knows i'm not a rick steiner fan by any sense of the imagination i thought his uh beginning here with kind of the amateur style start uh versus luger was extremely well done it's it's actually my favorite up to the steam dive on the outside is my favorite part of the match the first couple of minutes uh just the way they set the table i mean it does have a big match feel uh, we see a kind of interesting start from Rick, where he's a little tentative. He's not going full bore because he knows he's up against some people that can maybe match him with the bomb throwing and with the uh, athleticism. So I greatly enjoyed that opening stanza. I thought the, uh, I mean, the the match essentially then boils down into a bomb fest where you have a ton of spots. Uh, a ton of suplexes. I, I again didn't see a ton of psychology. Uh, probably even less, I would say, than in the um, in the WCW New Japan Super Show match. This has less psychology uh, within the match. Um, it, 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 it's it's and I'm not overly opposed to having a straight spot fast. But again, it, it's really tough for if there's a match without that type of psychology to look back on it 23 years later and for me to give it a, a super high rating. Like I mean, this is a match that's ranked four and a half, five stars by a lot of people at the time. Wow. And uh, you know we're not gonna rehash the argument of whether it's unfair for me to go back into time 23 years after the fact and rank this match. I'm gonna rank it. That's how I feel. That's my opinion. Uh, you know, it's it's just my opinion. So I I can't rank it that high. Uh, I'd go about three and a half for this. I think the finish is pretty cheap. And uh, I mean it's it's a short match too. Uh, it's not very long. Uh, probably it's I think it's what about 12 minutes. Uh, bell to bell and then the finish with Nikita coming out hitting the sickle uh, wrap chain Mm. and uh, the Steiner's kind of getting the pinfall but still retaining of their babyface status I thought was very abrupt so so yeah I mean I'd go about three and a half uh, a, a very good type spot fest I think this is one of the better Rick Steiner performances again Uh, I think Sting looks really good in this match. Uh, He reverses the Tombstone Piledriver in a cool spot. He totally wipes out on a Stinger Splash. He has that great dive to the outside that gets the crowd going. Uh, I I thought Luger, this isn't necessarily the best type of match for him, but he tried to hang, and he tried really hard. Scott, again, was a a little sloppy in this match. He's had kind of a little rough go at it in 1991 for me and actually been weaker than Rick in most of the matches and then has the singles match debacle with Flair at the beginning of the year. And uh, I thought some of his spots and timing here was a little off, so he was probably the worst uh, of the four for me. But uh, I mean, a match I like, but again, don't love, so... That's
1: kind of my thoughts. <laughs> As you can imagine, I, I do love this match. Four and a half stars for me. Um, four and a half stars for Melta too, incidentally, obviously. Um, and I, I do think that you do have to get into the mindset of... I mean, what would be a good comparison point? Something like Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, Sting and Luger taking on the Steiners in this time frame. It's a matchup you don't expect to see. So there's something of the like the dream match quality. You don't see big babyface b- versus babyface matches that often, you know. Um, so that's one thing. So I do think you have to take context into account a little bit. But I just love the kind of the drama of the you know the irresistible uh, was it the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. Right. And there's a spot at the moment at the at the um at the top where. Uh, I think uh, Rick hits Luger with a uh, with a um, with a Steiner line. He hits like a big belly to back suplex, a power slam, and a, and a Steiner line. And Luger comes right back with a massive lariat, and and that's probably one of my favorite clothes lines by anybody ever. That that clothes line that Luger hits in the first in the opening moments of this match, mm-hmm. awesome. And then he gets a military press on, and then it's just like I mean they go what ten minutes. And bear in mind though, 91 WCW, we get a running upside down turnbuckle shot, tilt a and slam, power bomb, shotgun, suplex by Luger, inverted atomic drop, belly-to-belly, super belly-to-belly suplex, um, amateur takedown, scoop power slam, side Russian slags, uh, legs uh, by Luger, bulldog from the top rope by Rick Steiner, um, uh, a top rope uh, mis- kind of missile kick from Sting fallaway slam by sting a tombstone pile driver by sting um, I mean it's like it's a hell of a lot of action for 10 minutes from these from these four guys I mean you, you kind of expect it from the Steiners I don't know how much you expect a match like this out of uh, out of sting and Luger um, yeah so it's like it's four and a half for the excitement the kind of dream match quality and I remember I mean if you take I don't know about you but when I first first watched this match years ago, it blew me away. And I I, I think you have to... It's hard to... I, I, I don't particularly want to get back into the do matches date argument as well. Because uh, I think you know, things... Some matches stand up, right? Um, but I do think that you have to take the context into account for this match to be a four and a half stars. Like, you can't, you can't go out and compare this to, I don't know, like some... I, I don't know, you can't watch it with a kind of post, uh, kind of, like when you've seen a dozen indie spot fests, or you've, or you've seen like, you know, 52 Daniel Bryan matches or whatever, you, you or like, you know, you've watched all of the 90s All Japan, like, you can't go back and then compare it to all that stuff, I don't think. You have to kind of see it, it kind of in the mindset of a 91 WCW fan. Does that make sense? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't.
0: Uh, well, yeah, not for me, because I, th- <laughs> th- I think you can. I mean, I, uh, I've i watched, um, you know, in the last couple of years, i watched the ladder match with Sean and Razor from WrestleMania 10. And while that's not a match, I would rank it five stars now. I was kind of blown away watching that, how one impactful the the big spots looked. And, and and I will say that that does help this match. And again, I mean, three and a half stars. I don't think that's nothing really to sneeze at for me. That's a mm-hmm. that's a good rating. That's not like I'm I'm burying the match. But but in the in the latter match, it did have a lot of psychology that kind of carried it over to where now I have seen most of these spots and the way they've been performed. Uh, a lot, so I'm I'm a little immune to it. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: I mean, I mean, I think a modern comparison that's interesting because because this match still carries a lot of hype. And mm. uh, I, I watched Vengeance 2003, a kind of nondescript B level WWE pay per view uh, for the first time a couple weeks ago, and it has a match on it: it's the World's Greatest Tag Team versus Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman and to me that match actually does have a little bit more of a story as they worked Mm. over Kidman and he played face and peril but it includes a lot of the uh, same type of high action a lot of dives a lot of crazy moves you know uh, you're talking about Exploders from the top and Mm. uh, just just a lot of kind of crazy moves and you know and that's a match you never hear as far as Hype-wise, compared to this one, I mean, pe- people like it. Like Justin uh, is a champion of that Kidman uh, Stereo match, and it it people who watch the show enjoy it greatly. Um, and, and but uh, but that just compared to this match, the hype is you know unprecedented. And I think that is a uh, reflection of when this match took place in 1991. But in watching all the 1991 footage from all the territories and worldwide, when I watched this in sequence with that, uh, this didn't feel extraordinary. I mean, I think it would in the context of WCW only, and mm-hmm. probably WWF too. But but even the I mean the Oregon Express Rockers match from Royal Rumble just happened, mm-hmm. and that's I mean that that's smaller guys. I know that's a different. But I, I
1: I guess I guess I guess the the point that I was trying to make is that it's not just about the action, it's about the fact that it's these two teams, it's about the fact that it's like, you know, Luger seldom loses, Sting seldom loses, you know, the Steiners are invincible, and now they're all in one match together.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a cool match feel. And it's
1: cool, you know, it's not like they're going out there just um posing or whatever it's actually a good match and i think like i mean i don't know where you where do you stand on uh hogan uh warrior because people like i see that given all sorts of different races.
0: yeah so <laughs> i'm kind of um probably the curmudgeon with that match as well because right. when i watched the 1990s stuff again i uh i, I mean it did I think I went three stars with it. It's it's a good perfunctory match, but it's, it's not a match that a, I ever had as much emotional investment with as other people just because mm-hmm. I was never that huge of a warrior guy, and uh, that match happened right before I became a fan. Right. Um, so so it wasn't like I was enchanted by that match as a kid mm. and then going back and watching it recently I could really see a lot of the kind of I just don't feel like anything in that match is really organic which it's not I mean they practice it relentlessly yeah. but the, the way they performed it, it I didn't get an organic feel almost felt like I was watching a rehearsal where it was like you know scene one step one they knew this mm.
1: spot was going to happen. Uh. You, you see, I mean, I, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but um, see, I'm not that high on that match either, although I do understand why people rate it highly. Um, but the it, the way that match has worked is almost like they kind of like um, invent the, the, you know, I say invent, it's a prototype of many of the, w, the modern style, WE, big main event, false finish, you know, ep, you know, self-conscious epic, etc., which, which is a style I hate, as it, as uh, as most people who spent any time um, talking to me would would know. Um, and that this is one of the reasons that I I love this match because it's not worked in, in that manner. It's worked. It's it's worked. Kind of. Uh, it doesn't feel self-conscious. It doesn't feel like the, the 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 big moments where it's like boom, here's Rick Steiner's clothesline. Boom, here's Luger's clothesline you know then Scott you know here's my superplex and then it's like now Sting's going to do a big high spot but it doesn't feel like it's overly like inorganic in the way that in the way that you didn't feel self-conscious and doesn't feel it just feels like a kind of god these two teams are really going at it here you know despite the fact they're both massive stars etc does that make sense i don't know yeah
0: Yeah. uh, uh, this match to me does have a more organic kind of one-up feeling um and it's like on a basketball court equivalent it's like each person kind of showing off the dunks that they could do you know like trying to Mm -hmm. one-up each other um, and, and I enjoy that.
1: I'm, I'm just interested, do, where, where do uh, where do our uh, friends, uh, where does Matt Petticord go with this? Or, or Scott hmm.
0: Yeah, I can look him up uh, real quick if you uh, kind of want to set yeah. the stage for, oh actually no, he is. Uh, I may not be able to look him up, his website seems to be down right now.
1: But, oh really? I was perusing it earlier, oh. Petticord's website, oh well. Um, I'm sure you can have a look there, PDR. But I'm 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 pretty sure that Petticord will be closer to my rating than Chad.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I would imagine. I'm I'm probably as far as the reviews posted that I watched uh, that I looked at that I was one of the uh, lower uh, rankings on this. Which still at three and a half. Again, I, it's not a match I want to bury, but it's uh, it's not going to be a match that I would say is. Uh, my, one of my uh, top top match of the year contenders. I yeah, Pedicor
1: went four and a half as well. Yeah, which is basically the correct rating for this. Match. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Um, it's uh, Nikita Kolov's here.
0: Oh, Hi. he gave like just like <laughs> real quickly. He gave that Simmons Reed match a star.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> real boring affair. Oh, math uh,
0: mad, damn.
1: Was, well he'd get gain simultaneously gains and loses respect <laughs> <laughs> um of course uh Petticord was a guest one on with a big voice play can't remember which episode but it's back there in the archives shy yeah. uh shy <laughs> rumble i think um so and he he uh he's involved with the site isn't he oh
0: yeah, well yeah he, yeah he does a smackdown reviews for place to be nation and he's also a big fan of the podcast uh I, one, I remember it, it's been a few months back. It's last summer, actually. But uh, I'm always delighted when you hear that people are listening to the show and we're not just talking to each other. And I got a, a Facebook message from Matt that was like, I'm about to go cut the grass, listening to where the big boys play. And I just thought that was, like, very cool. I was like, no, it it, right. it
1: is cool because I've literally been reading Petticoat for years for, like, I, I reckon... I don't know, I don't know when he started writing, but it feels like I've been reading that guy for five, six, seven, eight years even, so uh, it's surreal to hear then, you know, not only do we speak to him, we listen to the show, so that's cool for me. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, Nikita Koloff uh, uh, nails a Sting, and um, they go, uh, they broad brought to the outside here, kickstarting a, a feud. Uh, Meltzer is pretty critical of the finish. He says uh, this is a really cheap finish for uh, what was a really special match. So um, he he says this was one of the that the non finish took a lot away from what was one of the best matches of the year. Um, uh, I, yes, um, well, I think I'm sure the subject of uh, Dusty's finishes will will be uh, an ongoing topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now an interesting match.
0: Oh, just oh. one one real quickly. I I kind of wish they'd have went back to this match at Starcade, um. And by that point, Luger was already a heel. Um, mm. but I'd have been very interested to see how they'd have worked around that. And I don't know. Yes, uh, Scott was back from his torn bicep by then. So yeah, I wish they really would have went back to this match by Starcade. Won the I uh, think that the, been... did they do the tournament at night one? Yeah, yeah, they did the Lethal Lottery. But they, you know, I mean they could have. I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say that the balls selected these four guys. I mean, whatever.
1: Yeah, no, it a, that would a been tournament. tournament. And they could do the whole uh, can Sting trust Luger thing. For right, yeah. to set up
0: a Super <laughs> Brawl 2 match. Yeah, which, so, which is
1: uh, arguably one of Luger's best roles.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, anyway, time now for a singles tag team dream match. Bobby Eaton taking on Arn Anderson are going to be the two best uh, tag workers of all time uh taking on each other each other uh for the tv title now arn has had this tv title for what seems like a million years and yet he's done nothing with it <laughs> from what i can see like he's got constantly working tags and like his tv title runs in general are really weird i think
0: yeah he started out great in january 1990 and then by mid 1990 he wasn't doing a whole lot was kind of tolling around with the Horseman. uh you know he loses it to zinc and they have that kind of cup of coffee yeah. feud regains it back so uh
1: this is a weird it seems time like for, a lot
0: of missed opportunity it's a weird time for
1: on in general he's very directionless in mid 91 like yeah. it's like the horsemen don't seem to be together but he's still allied with Wyndham and He's not. He's like. He's literally. His career is doing nothing at this point. So uh, roll on the Dangerous Alliance, I guess, for, for Arn.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he had the Enforcers tag team that we're starting. Uh, we'll start to see soon. Right. Yeah. Uh, which which helped, but yeah, I'd say mid nineteen ninety through mid nineteen ninety one. Besides that uh, match versus Zinc, that we uh, both liked a good bit, where he loses the TV belt. Arn is kind of in limbo.
1: But it's, uh, it's 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 interesting though. They're not just what, from our point of view, they're not just wasting the potential of Pillman. They're literally squandering like what they've, you know, they're doing nothing with Arn. They're doing nothing. Like there's a lot of guys who are on the roster who they could have used in much better ways.
0: Yeah, I mean, Arn, um, Arn and Wyndham are teaming, but uh, you know, why not set up a a super match versus the Steiners on the TV one week or something. Yeah. I mean, there's some st- there's stuff they could have done them versus Sting and Luger. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of matches they could have thrown out here uh, at this point in time, uh, even without Flair. Once the Flair departure happens, and it just feels like they didn't capitalize on many of them.
1: Yeah, so even we are railing on Dusty's booking <laughs> 23 years later. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, what they do give us is uh, an interesting uh, singles matchup. Uh, what did you make of this one? Um,
0: well, this is one where your expectations may not necessarily meet what you see perform for me. Uh, it's a match I like. Again, it's a good match. I got I went three stars on it, but uh, it's a match that never seemed to kind of reach that second gear. Um, and, and, and Ross talks about in the beginning that this is the sleeper match of the night and there'll be a lot more wrestling in this match. Uh, so I did think this coming right off the heels of Sting and Luger. I was, I was kind of wanting to get your thoughts when you talk about it, whether you think that was smart or not. Uh, because, because it does feel like in some ways we took a step back to 1970 watching this match right after that one. You know, I mean, I mean, a lot of, uh, <coughs> Kind of, you know, uh, very, very uh, precautionary wrestling in the beginning. Some limb work. Uh, mm. Very rudimentary type match, I thought, was the majority of this match. Uh, Arn does work over the, the leg for a while. That's kind of the, the main crux of the uh, of his heat segment mm. is working over the leg. And I, I didn't think he did that much good stuff for a typical arm working over a limb sequence. Uh, he wraps it around the post and does a few things, but nothing extraordinary. Uh, and then we, we kind of get the big, uh, the big comeback from Bobby and they're building Bobby up as a, as a single star kind of trying to hype him up and, He's able to give the comeback and is finally able to to reach the top rope and hits the uh, Alabama jam. And I did like the finish uh, from uh, from the standpoint that Barry Windham rushes down and you think it's going to be some cheap finish, but Pillman's right there behind him, and uh, they beat each other up to the locker room. But uh, in typical WCW fashion, we see Bobby hit the Alabama jam, uh, but instead of the cover, we see the entranceway with Barry and Pillman fighting. Mm-hmm. So so we actually miss the uh, the actual pinfall finish of this match. <laughs> and yeah. it cuts very quickly to Bobby celebrating his uh, first singles <laughs> title run, I guess. I know that
1: Meltzer's got an interesting bit here because basically the clean pin is like a swerve. Everybody expects the cheap finish and <laughs> we actually getting and then Meltzer <clears throat> says um, Eton then uh, did the leg drop and got the pin, the crowd popped like crazy since they were expecting the screw job and got the clean pin instead, what a concept I guess when you rarely give clean pins in the top matches it does make the clean pin seem like something special so <laughs> there we go um, uh, I like this a good bit actually I thought it was extremely focused Arm was like exceptionally focused on the leg during uh, during his uh, heat segment and uh, i think it's one of the better eaten match singles matches we've seen i mean obviously the best one is the flare one right from 1990 uh, yeah
0: yeah the january 90 flare one i think's a highlight uh, but
1: apart from that this is probably the best outing for for bobby we've yeah, seen as
0: yeah.
1: far um he was great selling that leg uh yeah and he's intre- like he's we've seen him work babyface before of course during the Midnight's Babyface run. But I think uh, he's very effective as a babyface,
0: Ethan, Yeah, he he's able to kind of build sympathy up for himself and overcome the odds because the way he sells his damage, I think, is very well done, where it it really felt like in this match it was a struggle for him to get to the top to hit the Alabama jam. And uh that move is a, a spectacular looking move, so him hitting that really feels like an over baby face move uh finisher
1: well as uh, well Meltzer went three and a quarter i don't yeah. give I don't give uh, that rating, so i'm gonna give three and a half because i won't I won't give the quarter stuff <laughs> <laughs> um because yeah, I did like it a bit more than you did i, th- I think but uh yeah, yeah i think this, i think your rating's fair too right around there it's probably about and
0: this was only 10 minutes too so it, again it may be if you had a few more minutes i could have seen this creeping up uh hmm. I, I don't know so so i'm i'm actually surprised though you did like this coming off the heels of the Stink luger match
1: yeah well i mean it's a change of pace i mean it, it, obviously the crowd was going to be coming down so I, th- I actually think the match placement works uh, you know, let's have a match like this. I mean, the, the two options with the book are in that scenario. You either put a match like this, which is slower paced, um, or you put on, you know, I don't know, Cowboy... Sid, Gigante, like, or
0: whatever. Or, or right some,
1: you know, some bullshit, like Ron Bass versus Jimmy Snooker or some right, crap, right.
0: you know. Yeah, just a um, filler.
1: Filler, yeah. Um, this would be your barbarian singles match or something. Um, anyway... Uh I don't know why my examples are always from WF in nineteen eighty nine. Um anyway, uh, uh Rick Flair now uh is taking on uh Fujinami again. Um and um yeah, well we talked uh, we talked about the first uh, version of this matchup um before. Uh so what happened? I mean Flair basically ran away with the title um in Japan, there was controversy over the finish. Uh, Fujinami won that match uh, in Japan, but there was something... What was the was yeah, controversy well, with the well, ref?
0: Well, Flair went over the top rope, so in the right. confines of uh, of the uh, WCW landscape and them fighting for the WCW title, that was a disqualification that should have been called... Uh, so so it's essentially a false win. It's, it's a, a title win that the audience sees, but it's not kind of officially recognized when you look at the lineage of the title belts.
1: And this is a weird thing, where technically, Flair was not just the WCW champ. He was still the NWA champ, and this is still the big gold belt. Um, while they're teetering on the brink here, uh, uh, technically both world titles are still active and I believe without looking this up that even though Fujinami is not recognized as a WCW champ he is recognized as an MWA champ something like that I think he did hold that NWA belt so they need they kind of needed this match to happen for the NWA title to wrap up maybe you can look that up
0: uh (laughs) Chad I don't know yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm sure we'll, well get corrected. Well,
1: well, why, why don't you let us know, and I'll see if uh, if that is true. Why don't you take it away, Chad?
0: Okay. Um. So. So this. Uh I go back and forth on which one of these matches I like uh, like better this one or the WCW Super Show. I, I I thought the WCW New Japan Super Show match took a while to get going. I uh, definitely liked the beginning of this one better. Uh Fujinami kind of focused on Flair's leg uh, for the first part of this match and it's kind of interesting to see flair tied up he did a, a little bow and arrow type submission and some other kind of leg locks and flair is able to take over from that and send fujinami to the outside crotches it um crotches him on the rope uh i'm sorry on the guardrail on the outside and then he kind of Uh, The match kind of flows from there where he works him over, but I thought Flair still was uh, working the leg a good bit and actually selling the leg well. Uh, Flair blades because it's a major Flair match and he's going to blade. And I, I thought Flair worked really, really hard in this match. I don't think Fujinami was over uh, to the American fans and kind of seen as a a legit contender, which hurt the match a little bit. And as we get into the finishing sequence with, uh, with, with flair kind of being locked into the abdominal stretch of Fujinami and then firing back with, uh, with some kind of chops and doing his, his sort of flair comeback in a lot of ways to a pretty good reaction. And then he, he ends up, uh, I, well, I would not say regaining the belt, but he ends up winning this match. They have a they have a good slugfest in the end, and I did think the end had a lot of kind of heat with it, where Flair's begging off and feels kind of right at the brink and is able to use some of his resourcefulness to to uh, win the match. But I, I, I mean, I, it's a match I win a, a three and a quarter on. Uh, your favorite rating. <laughs> um,
1: oh, man.
0: Yeah, so uh, so another kind of good match, but I didn't think it was great. I, I'm a, I'm a low vote based on some of the other ratings I've seen again on this one.
1: Well, well before I get to my thoughts, Chad, um, just to clear up this title lineage uh, uh, business, it says, um, so this is on the Wikipedia page of the NWA World Championship lineage. Uh, this title change was briefly recognised by WCW, but is currently not recognised by the NWA and sporadically by WWE. On the WWE network, the description lists the main event of Super Brawl as WCW Champion Flair versus NWA Champion Fujinami, which is what I said. Um, this title change was originally ignored in the USA, but the title change was briefly recognised by WCW, but is currently unrecognised by the NWA or the WWE. Which, uh, suggests to me that this is not one of the 16 title reigns that, um, like... Yeah,
0: no, this is not one of the ones they count, like, uh, him winning this match is not seen as, a, uh, as part of that 16, no.
1: Right, and so. this is, and this was, um, I think this is right around the time now where, uh... Well, we'll get into NWA lineage stuff uh, when we when we cross that bridge.
0: Yeah, but I think this is one of the ones that is kind of, if you, I mean, I know there's some threads like that Flair actually has 22 title reigns, and mm. I do think if you follow that uh, train of thought, this is one of the ones you would count, um, where he has this one and kind of a couple other ones in Japan where uh, in the 80s and some stuff, you know, just stuff like that. Uh, that could could be a little bit of a gray area, but yeah. So uh, so yeah, Flair regains here. He does hold the tides at the end. So we get a little cheating when he schoolboys up uh, Fujinami, but uh, mm-hmm. able able to pick up the Duke. Now
1: I ha- I have to say this match was a lot better than I remember it. I remember not liking this match at all when I first watched it um, back in the day. Um, but I uh, it was better better this time round. Um, very good back and forth storyline, I thought, and I thought the story here was here are two world class wrestlers trying to win a match. <laughs> that was the story um mm. which is different from the normal kind of flare match I think uh so what we got here was tactics, genuine tactics, genuine kind of counter wrestling um guts and determination, experience and knowledge all kind of bring to bear. And they were, and like on commentary, they were trying to talk this up as like, you know, Flair is, you know, a 15, 20-year veteran. Fujinami has been in the game for a very long time. He's been there and done it. And now, what what's going to happen when these two, you know, it's like two kind of uh, guys, not at the top of their game, but two guys who have been around for long enough to know what to do to win a, a match like this. They're still world class, you know. Right. Um, and I thought this did a really effective job of telling that match. I gave it four stars. I feel like I'm very high on my ratings these days. But, uh, um, yeah, no, I, I I thought that this was good. And um, I thought Fujinami seemed more into this match than he was in Japan. Uh, weirdly. He seemed like more up for this one. Because um, if you remember in that last match, he took, uh, he, he feel he's Seemed like he took about six seven minutes to wake up even <laughs>
0: yeah, um, yeah he was kind of all over the place
1: he was more into it this time round. so I don't know uh, which one which matches better did I give the last one four stars as well
0: I don't think you were quite that high but yeah. I uh I of course it, can't remember well, that much Meltzer goes three and three quarters
1: okay so uh,
0: Petticor was tough on this one too because he goes two and a quarter
1: yeah hmm See that was my that's I think that was around my feeling when the first time I watched it, but um, mm. I don't know, it's a weird one. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I, I really enjoyed uh, what it was, and I think it may be enhanced by having seen a lot of Fujinami in his pomp now, and right. having like seen you know all of the eighties with Flair. It makes it kind of changes, you know, it's a weird thing, but it changes the context of the match a little bit all that history is like it's the difference between uh you know reading a reading a one off comic book uh, and reading like a comic book off the end of you know 100 issues or something you, you see the characters a bit differently you know does right. that make yeah. sense yeah yeah i understand uh, that yeah so yeah there we go um so overall what do we make of super brawl 1 because in my mind coming into the show super brawl is like quite a good event uh, but actually having sat through it i don't know what do you think yeah this
0: to me is one of the more weirder shows because uh because i have um i have uh, five five matches at three stars or above which for a pay-per-view you think oh that's re- that's really good. Um, But uh, I I didn't have a a great match. I didn't have any match at four stars. And there was just a lot of crap. I mean, you had the Oz stuff. You had the Sid versus Gigante stuff. uh, And some filler early on, like why Dan Spivey versus Ricky Morton needed to be on this show. I'll never know. Uh, Why we even needed Nikita to squash Tommy Rich, I won't know. Uh, And I, I really feel like this match... Or uh, this show overall, if you'd have, if you'd have cut, if you'd have had the last six matches we had, plus Dustin Rose and Terrence Taylor, and then the opener, mm-hmm. and done that as an eight match card, and taken the the uh, twelve minutes of match time, or probably that was probably about twenty five minutes of total pay per view time and gave a few more minutes to the Wyndham-Pillman match, a few more minutes to the Eaton-Anderson match, and maybe just a couple more minutes to the main event, this show overall would have uh, benefited greatly.
1: No, I, I agree, and it's one of the few... Um, I think my inflated opinion of this show comes from the Turner edit. Uh, it's actually one yeah. of the few shows yeah. that's, like, better clipped, weirdly.
0: Yeah, yeah it's a two-hour jam-packed Turner or edit show I think it it, it would be pretty uh, fantastic yeah Um,
1: I have to say though if you haven't seen that Oz stuff you should watch it because it just needs to be seen to be believed (laughs) 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 because it's one of those but it's one of those WrestleCrap things that is kind of under the radar a bit because it wasn't on the Turner video so I don't think a lot, like a lot of people haven't seen that. I, yeah,
0: I don't know if people have seen that one because I actually had forgotten about this one—the with the, the scarecrow and stuff. I was yeah. thinking of the uh, clash. Uh, the clash. Well, well I mean, the clash games.
1: one is the clash one is tame by comparison to, the, yeah, to this yeah, we'll get, shite.
0: We'll get to that next time. But,
1: uh. <laughs> um, right, so end of the show. Uh, end of the show. Awards. Match of the night
0: match of the night uh i'll I'll probably be uh one of the rare ones but i'm going with pillman and Wyndham. um i i I think it's a very good match and for six minutes really one of the probably better around six minutes matches i can think of honestly so i think they maximize their time well so that that's gonna be my pick a little uh unconventional
1: now, now, with uh, with respect, Chad, that is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the match of the night is obviously Sting and Luger versus the Steiners, but I uh, I guess if you want to be a contrarian, if you want to be a contrarian, <laughs> um, I'm sure there are some uh, listeners to the show will be happy with you with your pick there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Can't wait till uh, everybody on PWO piles on you. <laughs>
1: um. So uh, MVP.
0: Uh, I think MVP is going to pretty much shock you because I'm going with Rick Steiner. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, so uh, I I really thought he was (laughs) really good in that tag match. Actually, the uh, best of the four for me. And uh, somebody I've been tough on, he cut out the goofiness in this match. He was serious. And he showed off some of his amateur background that we don't see very much. And uh, I I thought he was pretty fantastic in that match. He, He played... The, I think that's a match where it, it was very easy for him to kind of go off the rails. It's possible in a babyface versus babyface match I can envision him very easily uh, just being goofy or, or doing something that doesn't quite react to the tone of the match. And I thought he he played up the tone of the match perfectly and I was really surprised.
1: Well, do you know who one who the Meltzer's MVP is for the show?
0: No, who? Is Sting. Ah, uh, yeah.
1: So, re- I mean, Sting re-
0: was really good also.
1: He reckons this is the best that Sting has looked since coming back from the knee injury. Um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Now, I'm thinking about Butch Reed, who was really yeah. good in that cage match. Yeah. As a potential MVP. And it's his last possible chance to get that award. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I really liked, uh, Lex Luger in the in the big match. I love that clothesline. So for that clothesline alone, pretty much Lex Luger's getting it. But he also nailed, like, for a spot fest, his execution was pretty good, I thought. Like, out of those, those four guys, the stereotypical fan, who do you least expect to execute his moves well? Uh, I mean, I'm not talking about us, Chad. I'm talking about, you know, this kind of stereotype perception. Right, um, right. And uh so I think Lugo it really carries his end of that match. Uh, yeah there's a
0: lot there's a lot of good individual performances in this show. I mean Pillman and Windham I thought were both very good. Uh mm. and even even you know, Flair, it's, it's a generic answer, but I thought Flair worked really hard in the main event for uh for a nineteen ninety one Flair, frustrated Flair performance, I thought he uh was very good.
1: Easy to take him for granted, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, lots of individual performances. You know, both Wyndham and Pillman were good as well. Uh, th- an interesting question though, for the Billy Graham Award for the worst performer.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so I think you have to go with Sid, uh, even though what we've been talking about, whether him bitching out Gigante was the worst thing or not, he, the, the truth is it was a stretcher match and he wouldn't get on the stretcher, so... <laughs> Uh, Just kind of on that dumb logic alone... I'm going with Sid... Oz... uh, Certainly a contender... But... uh, And probably who you're going with... But I I, kind of don't want to blame Kevin Nash... For that atrocity... Um,
1: I was thinking of Kevin Sullivan... Who I suspect came up with the idea... But more importantly... uh, Kept on screaming over the mic... Welcome welcome to to Oz... So for for that alone... Maybe Kevin Sullivan... (laughs) Um, and right. he was involved, and he was involved in that stretcher match.
0: That's true. He did. What an awful
1: night for Kevin that. Sullivan. He was involved in those both those angles. Kevin Sullivan.
0: Yeah, yeah that's that's a good pick because he is involved <laughs> in both of those, those segments. So.
1: All right. Well, no, I, uh, I, am I'm, enti- I'm enjoying 1991. No, uh, Chad, and look forward to Clash of the Champions
0: yeah so an interesting time I think you can see sort of the Ripley effect like we talked about with this show the the crap seeping in and overtaking the wrestling uh, I think the next clash is amplified and that's really the last major show before everything gets blown up so we'll look at that next time
1: yeah I, I think it's a weird time it's a it a feels strange like mm-hmm. it's kind of like nothing's really going on <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, even I mean, Flair being stuck with this feud with Fujinami is is one of the more bizarre, I'd say, main event feuds because it's, I mean, they are presenting it again in the, the, the dream match vein, but Flair by now has been your heavyweight champion for close to five months and it just doesn't feel like he has much stake in the fight and the whole mm. company and... It, it feels like they're kind of waiting for the next big thing that really never comes with what happens flair seems
1: tacked on to these shows in a weird way yeah it's like yeah. here's the show plus uh, flair's still the champ Yeah, it's kind of uh all right well join us next time for the why the big boys play
0: fans for all of us here at wcw center stage for cowboy bill watts and the american dream dusty Rhodes. i'm jim ross saying good night everybody